calamity. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And Rubin's son is racing. And welcome everybody to Locked On iRacing, episode number seven. I am Peter Wilkinson. If you're in our Discord and you you should be, I am Wilco in there. Um, I'm joined tonight by Braden Martin. How are you going, mate? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Enjoying some of this slightly cooler weather, um, which is always nice anywhere where you've got a racing rig, I'm sure, as people know. But yeah, pretty good. I still have the air conditioning on right now. <laughs> um no, look, thank you everyone who's been listening to the podcast, for starters. Let's do, quickly do some housekeeping, as they like to say. Um, we, like I said, that Discord, lockedonlads.com slash Discord is the way to get in there. There's a whole lot of stuff in there. We've got a whole heap of people joining us in there at the moment. It's really good and really fun. We've just gone through May the 4th or 4th, uh, and, and now we're going to May the 6th uh, memes into the welcome channel which has been quite fun uh we're doing a massive chat on sims uh sim skippy chat at the moment with uh blipping and non-blipping and all this kind of stuff so it's it's a wealth of knowledge for games and uh racing and just general stuff as well so definitely jump in there if you can uh make sure you subscribe and if you can review the podcast as well it really helps with our exposure uh getting it out to more and more people which is what we do it for uh if you can do that write a review give it five stars whatever you want whoever gave us one star thank you but no thank you uh but everyone else you're doing a great job uh and don't forget to go check out ultimate dirt tv where we are currently sponsoring their season at well at the moment find them on facebook and also into sim network we are currently in a partnership deal sort of thing with them as well at the moment while we're waiting for other things to happen uh, so go check out that series as well. We're going to give up a, a 10 to 15 minute, probably end up being a way we go, a 30 minute interview <laughs> with the series winner and probably five minute spots to every race winner as well, which we do not have tonight because the person didn't want to come forward and do that. But yeah, go check them out. Uh, it's been really good, the support we're getting from the community and really good, the the partnerships we're making along the way. So thank you everyone who is joining us for that. And the numbers are great. Shout out to Sasso. I'm going to say, uh, who actually got back to us from Slovenia, uh, emailed in and said uh, that he's really enjoying the podcast and thanks for the shout out. So uh, really, really good to hear back from you. Contact us at LockedOnLads.com is the place to email us if you do want to contact us that way as well. So let's get into what we've been up to. And I'm going to put my hand up again. Once again, I went away to Byron Bay on the weekend. Besides driving down Surface Paradise on the back straight of the V8 supercar track, uh, and, and sort of wanting to go through the chicane, which would have made me veering all over the road. That's about the only racing I've done until this afternoon where I did a little few laps around Brands Hatch. So uh, unfortunately, it was in Byron Bay all weekend. It's been busy at work, all kinds of stuff happening. So I haven't raced as much except for Aussie Car. But Braden, what have you been up to, mate, in the racing world? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm probably a little bit the same. haven't done as much racing as I would have liked due to, like I said last week, heading back to reality um, and going back to work. But I did manage a little bit of time to squeeze in a couple of um, Skippy races, which was at Oran Park this week. So driving through a few people's front yards and so jealous. Uh, their driveways. <laughs> I love Oran Park and I do can drive a Skippy around there fairly well because we've done it a couple of times now in either officials or in uh, Aussie car. And I was so keen to race around there this week. And yeah, how, how was it? How was driving through front, how, front doors and, and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> no, it was actually pretty good. Um, like you said, I've done a few races there as well. So it was familiar. I didn't feel like I had to do a lot of practice um, to sort of get up to speed. So I had a couple of top split races. Uh, the first one went pretty well. Um, I had a sixth 
I was sort of not quite on the probably top threes pace, um, but had a pretty good battle um, for most of the race with a couple of guys um, before they had a little bit of an incident and I sort of took over their spot. So I ended up about sixth. So gained a nice chunk of I rating from that, actually. I think it was almost like 50 odd. And then uh, had another race uh, not long after, which ended up eighth. But I ended up <laughs> realizing after the race on the first lap going into the last turn uh, in the braking zone. So not even getting on the curb or anything in the braking zone. I actually bent my wing. Um, so <laughs> running five SPO, which was what yep. was suggested to me by a reputable yeah. website. <laughs> Unfortunately, just in the braking zone... <laughs> um actually yeah cost me a whole chunk of time and i was just trying i could not work out like where these guys were getting this extra pace from and it wasn't until i went back and looked at the replay that yeah i had a bent wing for pretty much the whole 20 laps so um now, that was really interesting I'll, I'll quickly talk about this because this happened in aussie car to me on thursday night we did indianapolis which we'll talk about a lot later no no we won't going the, the going the bike track and coming back onto the track now i I was struggling in practice with this and I'm sitting there going to you guys, I don't know where this extra two seconds is. I just can't find it. I'm actually probably four seconds realistically down on some of the the really fast times and I couldn't work it out. So then I went into pit to get, just get fuel to keep going again, to try and keep the more time on warm tires. And it's come up with 46 seconds repaired, uh, optional repairs. And I'm like, what the hell? I didn't go off. I didn't hit anything Mm. and watch the replay. And here's a bent wing. And I'm like, what the hell? And then went through, and I I was doing it, coming onto the onto the oval, and just breaking at the wrong time, nose dipping down, hitting the ground, and it was bending up. And mm. I almost then I mentioned to you guys I should change my SPO, and then never did. And then lo and behold, in the race, <laughs> lap eleven of of fifteen or something or other, here I am, yeah. come on, smack, and off I go. So it's it's something you got to really be careful of on the the turns where you have got big braking markers going uphill um yeah in a skippy don't run five for spo yeah that's my knowledge for the future definitely something i'm gonna have to probably keep an eye on um a little bit more so yeah apart from that that was the only it's two. always been bathurst like it's been bathurst's main one we, we drop it down yeah. because obviously you're going up and downhill there but never else yeah yeah never, i've never been too concerned about it until i think just um recently. Is it Imola maybe or, or a couple of the tracks that are on there you do just so you can take some of the big curves. It might have been not as a Zolder. Zolder maybe you take it down a little bit yeah. so you can take some curves. But yeah, normally five and whatever your ARB is is pretty safe. But yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, they're the only two sort of official races I've managed to get a chance to do. Um, but watched a fair bit of motorsport over the weekend as well. It was a pretty packed weekend again with Formula One um, and IndyCar to have a watch of. So that was really good too. Wow, and yeah, watch. See, I, I, I was away for IndyCar, and I'm like, um, I'll watch it when I get home. It'll be fine. I'll steer clear of all the results. And then every <laughs> single chat I was in just absolutely blew up. And I saw saw the 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 first bit of it, and that ruined the whole race for me because then I knew what I was seeing. So I haven't actually had a chance to sit down and watch Indy, but Sorry congratulations to Scott me. McLaughlin. Yeah, no, it was actually in the Banter Alliance. Uh, thought, oh my God, Scotty just got second. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah, it was crazy. And just like watching, you know, he started 14th or 15th and and just seeing the consistent lap times and then the pitch strategy play out and then just basically, you know, everything went right for him, admittedly. Yeah. But you know, mega drive, first oval race and to, you know, be what, six tenths off of um, 
fellow countryman Scott Dixon. Like that's just outrageous exactly. stuff. Now, look, I know it's we just had a big conversation which we you have to listen to with Jamie Sealer in a sec, and and there is a, a, a difference between on online and offline. But you saw if you see Scotty in the easy areas back in the the COVID times mm. on the oval, he was extremely intelligent driving. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was fast, obviously, but he definitely knew how to get that car around. And obviously, we saw when he, in that COVID period, he was racing Indy cars around ovals and getting very, very good results in not yeah. winning races around there against people like Max Verstappen in, you know, Formula One fame in IndyCar, but still beating a whole heap of good people. So it wasn't a huge surprise to see him, but see him go uh, yeah. so well. But also, the other thing is the pit strategy he's been doing in the first few races. He seems to always be on the ball with that. Like his crew seems to be really good at it. So yeah. it wasn't a surprise there either. Yeah. And I guess, you know, maybe not a surprise to some people that follow him closely and I suppose know about that sim racing background where it's not like he's completely new to oval racing in general, but I guess on the world scale, uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> like, mate. Yeah, oh, definitely. And like I said, third race, he's got his first podium. Um, and obviously going into the Indy 500, he is a potentially serious threat yeah. going into it, which is crazy to think. And I think any so. any time you're at a new team or a new job or whatever it is to have some t- oh, yeah. tickets in the bank, you know, where you've made an impression straight up, it, it probably takes a lot of pressure off um, now and he can really settle into finding his groove within the team and hopefully, hopefully having some more, even better and bigger results. That's it. And that's what it's all about. Um, is that... Basically, all we've been up to, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We watched. Uh, I definitely watched the Formula One. Um, I stupidly tried to stay up and watch it, even though I knew I'd work the next morning. <laughs> um, but I just have so much trouble avoiding the results. I fell asleep about halfway through. Um, it wasn't. It was an okay race. It was, you know, interesting for a little bit. But again, as Hamilton does, he just seems to find that extra pace and find his way past everyone at the perfectly opportune times and sort of ran away with it. So, uh, yeah, not too much to talk about from there. Sort of business as usual. Yeah, it's a little bit of a shame considering where we thought the season was going to go to to where it is now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely losing my interest already, which is a shame. Um, so, we've, we just teased it a little bit before. We have a guest this week. is a pre-recorded interview as well. So... We will throw to an absolutely amazing interview we just finished recording with Jamie Skeller, the man behind Tracks Racing, uh, which is a brilliant rival series that uh, you get to race for Bitcoin. Uh, you have a rival that you're trying to beat, and even if you just get the highlights package for the round, you will be getting sort of prize money, so there's all different types of ways to win money, but you're always facing someone else uh, close to you in, in iRacing for a short four-week series. Uh, he's also the man behind GGEZ Bar, if you're from Melbourne, uh, and a whole heap of other things. He has the most knowledge we've had on this podcast to date. Sorry, everyone who's else has been on here, but it was just the conversations oh, we had in this interview. I think Ira would but... have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Ira needs to come back on and prove us wrong again. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the interview. Let us know what you think about it in the comments uh, for the podcast or in the Discord as well. But yeah, here is Jamie Skeller. And hey, Jamie, how are you going? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you for joining us today. This is Jamie Skeller, everyone. Um, 
the extraordinaire who is behind uh, Tracks Racing, the new series that's just started up. And also, I just found out today when looking up in your LinkedIn, a whole heap of other things, um, <laughs> including GGEZ Bar in Melbourne as well. So mm. congratulations on that. And obviously, the success of Tracks at the moment. But let's start from the beginning, Jamie. What what can you tell us about? Just give us a bit of a rundown of who you are, a bit of an elevator pitch, if you will. Um, so gamer and technologist, I suppose, would be the two most obvious words that describe me but yeah look esports for a long time um uh, once upon a time i played for australia's top ranked counter-strike team like the original counter-strike back around the turn of the millennia um the team won the cyber athlete cyber athlete league pacific which was the country's first international qualifier the first time that a counter-strike team was, was sent off for international battle um and i've you know, I've been a gamer most of my life and, and continue to play a lot of first-person shooters. But um, having driven carts as a youngster, uh, motorsport's always been a keen interest of mine as well. And so I've, I've paid very close attention to some uh, um, various uh, classes of motorsport over the years, but a lot of attention on Formula One. And got stuck into iRacing with my first wheel and pedal setup in 2009. Um and have been racing pretty much ever since. Not not very good though. You know, I think I peaked <laughs> at around thirty three hundred IR. But you know, it's 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 reasonable. Um, outside of esports and sim racing, um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of design work. So user experience design, uh, product and digital service design. I um, I built the world's first blockchain based voting solution, which went on to win the world uh, economic forum. Uh, Pioneer Award, um, did a lot of traveling for that. It was a lot of fun and, and some meaningful stuff as well in the realm of democracy. I uh, used to work as head of user experience at the AFL, working across their, their mobile app and website. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really mixed bag, but the two themes really are emerging technology, you know, thinking about the future and trying to build cool shit and just playing a lot of games. Uh, and of course, sim racing, which let's not call a game on this podcast, otherwise we'll get no. crucified. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we, we, we're trying to we're trying to avoid that as much as we can. Now, I want to quickly touch on something that's not even in the questions here. What if you, you you're in Melbourne, obviously at the moment? Is that where you are? No, no, I'm actually no, I'm now. actually back in Adelaide. Um, yes. Oh, one of us. So one last, of us. <laughs> I, I spent the last seven years in Melbourne. Um, yep. I haven't lived in Adelaide now for about fifteen years, but I've finally moved back. Uh, it's where all my family is, and I've got a two-year-old daughter now, so it's a good spot to be wow. for support. But yeah, seven years in Melbourne, a bunch of time in Sydney uh, and Brisbane before that, and some time in London as well. So you got to watch Melbourne in the height of its growth in esports, uh, I guess, um, dominance of Australia, where it started mm-hmm. in Sydney with a few things, um, but then Melbourne seemed to really take, take, the, take it and just lead the country in it. Uh, obviously, yeah. things like PAX and... and the Melbourne International, uh, Melbourne International, Esports Open. Open. I went to it. Yeah. I just can't remember the name of it for some stupid reason. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure that the Intel Extreme Masters is heading to Melbourne That's, as well. So that there's there's definitely yes. a consolidation and a solidification of Melbourne's position, not only as the home of sports but the the home of esports, which is very cool. Um, and yeah, the bar obviously timed quite nicely. So, I, the first year that I moved to Melbourne, which I think was 2013 or 14. I went to a, a retro video game bar called uh, Pixel Alley. Guy behind the counter serving me drinks. His name was Lachlan McAllister. Um, massive esports fan. Um, not, not particularly competitive in the first-person shooter space, but loved his MOBAs and his, his RTS. Um, and we just got talking and started talking about my experience in CS. And um, he said, look, I, I'd love to start not a retro arcade 
game bar, but a but an esports bar at some stage, and not where you go to play, but like where just like a sports bar, you come and, and we're showing esports events, video game, yeah. competitive video game events. Um, but we didn't think the timing was quite right, and uh, a few years later, he came back to me and said, "I think I think the timing might be right." Um, so we fired it up, and look, COVID sucked, but um, <laughs> would have, yeah. since since Melbourne has started to return to normal, the bar's doing better than it ever has, which is really cool. Yeah, definitely. I've I've been to the establishment a couple of times. It is a very very beautiful venue and always packed at packs time. So yeah, um, that's right. You lined up around the corner to get in. But let's get back onto why we've got you here. You've just started up tracks racing, amongst all the other things you're doing at the moment. Can you explain to our listeners what tracks racing actually is? Well, look, it's it's a pet project. It's uh, it's. It's really me trying to capitalize on, on my hobby and the vast amount of money and time I've spent on it. But <laughs> look, so, so my, my last professional gig was um, chief product officer at an ASX listed esports business called Mobile, uh, building out tournament tech yep. for all kinds yep. of businesses, um, Wizards of the Coast and uh, Microsoft came on board to run Age of Empire stuff and, and Magic the Gathering stuff. But that, that wrapped up not too long after I moved back to Adelaide. Uh, and so look, I've been spending a lot of time with the family, but I'd also been thinking about ways that I can really start to try and um, make a living out of some of my hobbies and, and see if there's anything in it while I was taking some downtime, basically toying with some ideas. And look, there's a, there's a few side projects um, that I'm working through at the moment, but but one of them is indeed tracks. Um, me, Lewis, Rod, Sam, uh, we're all really, really psyched. Um, we think that the model is pretty interesting. Um, it's certainly something that we would like to race in, which was, you know, really um, first and foremost what we want to try and accomplish. But... Um, Lewis Tolan, it's actually his idea um, originally. He approached me after we had just a wild wheel to wheel battle uh, at Phillip Island in the FR20. It was like, it was madness. It's probably some of the best racing I've had um, yeah. on our racing, on the service since I started racing. And I uploaded that that video with my Pimax 8K sort of uh, <laughs> VR field of vision view to YouTube. And I, wow. I tagged him in on the iRacing member forums and I said, dude, that was an amazing race. Thank you. <laughs> Go check out my YouTube video, a bit of a self promotion. I just started a. a, a, a a sim racing team as well with 17x and did up some nice branding so there was you know the car had the livery and anyway um lewis then got in touch and said um this was awesome um uh, and i've just had a look at your credentials have you ever, ever thought about you know doing something in the iRacing league space and i said well funnily enough where i had hoped to take 17x my team was that when i get a little bit of exposure and awareness um that i might start to utilize that brand for the creation uh, of a novel uh, iRacing series of some sort and he said, well, have a look at this. This is my idea for a series. Um, you know, I want to make sure that the racing is competitive and close. I want to make sure that the prizing is uh, meaningful and interesting. Uh, and I've got this idea for something called Rivals, uh, which means that we can create exciting uh, races for all drivers, even if they're not going to be really competing for the championship win and competing for that championship podium money, ways for them still to win um, and to have a hell of a lot of fun in each race uh, along the way. And uh, it just made a lot of sense. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and here we are. I mean, we just ran our, our, our first invitational event. Um, we had Daniel Morad, uh, Rolex Daytona winner. We had um, Tony Kanan, uh, yeah. Indianapolis winner. Uh, we had a bunch of uh, Twitch streaming celebrities on board. We had Emery. Uh, we had a couple of local Aussies, uh, Madison Down and Mitchell McLeod, who I actually sponsored 
back in 2011 <laughs> when I was working for a company called Tats Group, which has be, recently been bought by Tabcorp. But um, yep. we were we were throwing some cash at Madison and uh, and Mitch to wear the Tats.com livery. Uh, every V8 supercars race that they were in back in the day when we used to race against uh, Sean, uh, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and uh, is it Sean McLaughlin? But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not a I'm not a I'm not a V8 supercar fan myself. I'm not a big fan of the tin tops. It's open wheels for me. It, yep. it was okay. it was good watching the Invitational while I was watching uh, a couple of the streamers and you know there's nothing more hilarious than seeing uh, I think it was Daniel Gray who got punted well it was a bit of net code a little bit of uh, bad luck but by Tony Kanaan and he was like I can't even be mad like <laughs> this is yeah this is Tony like, Kanaan like <laughs> exactly exactly he's allowed to hit me I'm I'm racing Tony fucking Kanaan. that's exactly right yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, you. I was, okay, I was no just going to say, I think, I think what you mentioned about how making it uh, in, enjoyable for everyone is what's super important. I think that's what Pete and I have found so enjoyable about the league that we currently run in is that it sort of didn't matter where we were in the pecking order. We always had someone to race with and, and that's, that's really good. And catering to those people who aren't at the top is what's uh, really big about getting that retention. If there are people down the bottom of the race that still have things to fight for, then they're more likely to stay around. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think initially we're going to have small numbers of races, and over time we, we we hope to build this out and have a significant number of races competing month to month through the the four weeks of championship. Every month these are a short, concise, um, dense championship periods. You know, um, we we think there's a, there's enough going on with with longer things, and we think there's enough going on with special events, and we wanted somewhere in the middle. That's where we think the gap is, but. Um, when we get to the point that there are lots of drivers participating, that means we start to build out splits which are highly competitive, maybe eventually uh, within a 100 to 200 IR sort of window of, of apparent skill based on that rating. But early on, um, it's not going to be quite the case. Um, but the beauty of the rival system is that either way, whether you are racing um, on track with a large discrepancy in IR or whether it's super tight, there is just going to be people which... Um, fast but aren't fast enough to think about you know securing a win um, and getting cash and finishing the the championship uh, at a podium tier and it's like well we, we have to find a way to to create some really exciting racing for them if we are going to carve ourselves out of space uh, in the sim racing community that is different and attractive and interesting uh, and a lot of fun and also enables us to create some really great content um, even through the coin jar invitational which just wrapped up um, Seeing, for example, Emery and Daniel Morad sort of duke it out um, was just really sort of compelling watching. It, it wasn't just about paying attention to the race leaders. Um, it was obviously seeing some some pretty uh, hilariously terrible driving and some spectacular crashes <laughs> as well. Uh, but there was a lot of good driving, and those those rivals battles were really interesting because you know they were they were attempting to win these points and. Uh, Obviously, the outcome is that you want to try and win the race, but if you can't, you want to beat your rival because if you can beat your rival, you're still winning cash. And so it almost doesn't matter um, what your position in the field is all of a sudden. And it's a, it's a sort of, it's a strange feeling being in that situation, maybe racing in 14th position um, and having your rival in 15th behind you. And it feels just as intense <laughs> as, as fighting for that lead right at the front. You know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, well, you're almost simulating that last round of a championship where you know the person who's behind you is or the person above you is only a couple points in it that's and right. every race you're just trying to beat that person that's all you really need to do so it's it's a great concept um how long from you mentioned that you got approached to do it to now is is that sort of period for getting the league together i think 
I think me and Lewis first spoke um, in January, maybe even February, but I think it might have been late January. Um, so it's it's been a little while, but most of that time has really been sort of fleshing out plans, um, me designing the brand, designing the website, bringing on Rod, starting some engineering, um, getting the systems in place, getting the platform in place, driver registration, um, getting our uh, bank accounts in order, teeing up the partnership with Coinjar, um, setting up payment providers and gateways ready for the public series. Uh, so there's, there's quite a lot of nuts and bolts that goes on behind the yeah. scenes to actually bring it to life. You know, building things uh, takes a bit of time and, and it can be pretty hard, but because all of us are sim racers and motorsports enthusiasts, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work, you know, it's just like, hey, <laughs> yeah. here's, here's something fun to do, uh, which might actually turn into a business. Exactly. Um, so... What factors led to you deciding on the cars? You're running the GTEs and the uh, F3s, is it, uh, currently? Uh, so, look, as we approach um, the commencement of the public series, and the first one will drop at, at the end of this month, at the end of May, um, we still aren't entirely decided um, how things look to begin with. So, we've sort of had people vote with their driver registrations, and at the moment, GT. The GTE category is, is, is leading um, over formula, but then we had a lot of feedback from the Coinsra Invitational, both from spectators and from the drivers, that they actually really preferred the formula racing. Um, so yeah, yeah I, look, I, I think me, I'm a formula guy, um, and a lot of people in Australia seem to have a hard preference. There's, I, know, I know a lot of people who just, you know, they don't really find anything too compelling about open wheel cars and, and they love the V8 supercars and I guess that's just part of our culture. And so they, they, they think about driving um, Audis and Ferraris and, and V8 supercars. So I, I can't give you a, an absolute answer on what we actually kick off with, but it's probably going to be one or the other rather than both. Again, just thinking okay. about the traction we're going to need um, to get going, we want to make sure that um, we are I guess listening to the audience first and foremost, listening to that feedback, and then also giving ourselves the best shot at, at starting well, rather than trying to do too much at once. And so it might be by the very second month that we open up another uh, another car category, and it might be open wheel, and it might be the FO20. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how we go, but we'll make those decisions and finalize them in over the next sort of week or so. Cool. So you mentioned the invitational that you just did, and um, the the sort of drivers you had racing. That what was it like working with both pro drivers and content creators and having them together. Oh, it was just like um, herding cats for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, a bunch I saw, of great. I even you had Bo Albert, so that would have been even harder than bloody herding cats. He he's a good character. He did our um our hot lap video actually. Um, yes. No, it's been it's been great to to meet most of the guys. Um, some of them I'd already been fans of and were either following on Twitch or on YouTube, uh, and some of them were brand new to me. In fact, Lewis did a sort of a lot of hunting on people that might create a, a fun and interesting mix. Uh, but no, it's it's been great. Uh, it's it's great to know those guys now. Um, and to have some kind of working relationship with them, which is kind of exciting. You know, it's it's uh it's it's weird when all of a sudden you have some kind of one-on-one relationship with somebody who you might have only seen on a screen before it just kind of it's it's a bit surreal but it's you know it's fun and uh we hope to do more with that with that group of drivers into the future as well 
Was there a beer count on Mitchell McLeod at all for during his races? <laughs> uh, I think I've watched quite a few of his streams. <laughs> I, I think the most the most count and drafts I've seen him crack uh, across the course of a, a few races was seven. And yeah, his 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 ability is definitely compromised. So don't drink and drive, kids. Um, but he also he also cracked one um, after his. I think it was the race two victory for the Coin Jar Invitational. So it had just wrapped up, and I'm watching his screen. Uh, in particular, I had this this wall of Twitch feeds over this yeah. massive monitor in my office, and um and yeah, he just goes right ahead and and bursts open a tinny, uh, and this was like at 10, 10 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was going to say uh, the races did kick off pretty early. I think it was like eight thirty yeah. in the morning or something, Adelaide time. So um, it's very it, Australian, even by version. Mitch McLeod standards, that's pretty early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so you've awarded Bitcoin to um the the winners and the people who beat their rival what was it like landing on the bitcoin as the actual prize money option well i've got i've got a fair bit of experience in the world of blockchain and crypto um big sort of advocate for i guess the movement from a philosophical perspective like there's a lot that i like about cryptocurrency um so far as you know self-sovereign control and ownership of money um cross-border um transactions at at very low fees and essentially instantaneously with with no time for settlement all these interesting sort of um you know shifts in financial paradigm which which i've always thought was really interesting i got even deeper into crypto and blockchain in 2016 2017 uh when i started investing in ethereum but also um started applying that programmable blockchain technology to to voting solutions uh, i was a i was working with a not-for-profit democratic movement called my vote and then founded this thing called horizon state and we'll be commercializing this voting tech so you know blockchain and crypto has been sort of close to my heart for a long time now and it really has garnered like significant mainstream interest uh, and acceptance especially Mm. in the world of esports and sim racing and gamers and and you know digital natives and gen z's and gen y's right it's just a lot of us like it and a lot of us get it and a lot of older people don't um and that's fine but you know um it's our future and i i think i think i think we're making a lot of interesting um and important decisions um and some of that relates to um wealth creation and wealth generation and equality as it relates to um, the movement of wealth and, and the generation of that wealth. Um, I ended up speaking to an associate of mine um, from Coinjar. Um, I've known the Coinjar guys for a long time now. They're one of the first um, exchanges in the country. They were the first in the country to create a, a Bitcoin debit card where you can tap and go with a with a debit card, which actually pulls from your Bitcoin balance at Coinjar. Um, and we were just talking about the significance of that crossover between audience audience interests. Um, and it turns out that their biggest spending customers um, are in precisely the same age de- demographic as, as sim races. Um, and uh, this is slightly older than Gen Z, but sort of Gen Y-ish. Let's talk about it in terms of maybe 24 to 36 kind of age bracket. And the beauty there is because that's their biggest spending customer dem- demographic, but we also have a captive audience in that age bracket um, in sim racing who like cryptocurrency, who also have a bunch of disposable income. And we know they do because like me, they spend thousands of dollars on a sim <laughs> racing rig and they spend 15 bucks on iRacing or, or more, including you know content every single month and so on and so forth. And a lot of people participate in, in Aussie car or, or other uh, you know hosted series as well. So you know this, yeah. it's just very obvious that... Um, it's it's a right match from from an audience profile perspective. So yeah, they they were very quick to say, "Cool, let's let's do it." 
Sweet. So I'll go back to the invitational for a second. I, I, I missed a question that I really wanted to find out. How hard was it getting all those drivers together? And was there anyone that you sort of wanted to get, but you couldn't quite get the schedules to work up, work together? Yeah, we, we really wanted um, Dave Cam, um, David Cameron. Yep. Um, yep. There was a couple others as well. There were there were a few there were a few high priority sort of targets which just didn't land for whatever reason. Um, one didn't respond. Maybe it landed in their trash. We did find that um, being a brand new domain, then a strange domain tracks dot racing, but um, yeah. it was landing in, in in the spam folder for a few people. Um, it was too late f- for Dave, and he had some work commitments the next morning, um, so he couldn't do it. So you know, it's it's unfortunate, but I think. Um, We'll, we'll do more, and I think some of those guys, now that they've seen what we're up to, um, we'll, we'll be able to get them on board for the next one. But um, you know, still, still some huge, huge names. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. Uh, Quirk and Emery, I think, were both sort of peaking at four, five, six hundred concurrent viewers during their stream of, of their participation in the mm. Invitational, which is, you know, it's no slouch. It's 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 pretty big numbers. Yeah, definitely. I saw Emery did a hot lap of Silverstone, and she offered. And there was a prize for anyone who could beat that hot lap as well. So yeah, that's um, right. Um, it, it wasn't just the race; there's a lot of cross promotion around it as well, which is well. Yeah, done. and she, um, I think that video is up to about one one and a half thousand views on YouTube, which is the most popular video on our channel so far. And it probably has very little to do with the fact it's um, a, a quick lap around Silverstone, and more to do with the fact that it's her face in the thumbnail. So we might have to get <laughs> her to become the, the voice and, and face of tracks because she's she's obviously liked. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, I, it's really good. The other thing I really liked about it too was the highlight packages that you put together. Like mm. I watched um, a few of them, the the one that's up on the web page today, and it was just good seeing that quick, short snippets of all the, the, the good moments. And I believe that's part of the prize money pool that you're offering as well. Yeah, exactly. So Sam, Sam Cars aboard, um, uh, he actually was a GT Academy finalist and, and went over and drove some real cars around real tracks. Um, so he's a fast guy from sort of PlayStation Origins. Um, he just got his first proper 80-20 rig as well, so he's going to be doing some more racing soon as well. But um, yeah, he's our content guy. He, he also uh, is a videographer for the Australian Rally Championship, but he's going to be putting together those, those highlights uh, for each and every top split race, for each and every championship within tracks. Um, and we're also going to do some more artsy and interesting and memey things as well, which he's already started to pump out, uh, which is which has been received really well. But um, for anybody that thinks that something pretty pretty spectacular has happened in race from their position, we're going to give all drivers in every race the opportunity to send in their clips or snippets of replay files. Um, and if they get selected as as being featured uh, in our highlight reel for that week, for that round within the championship, they score another five bucks uh, in, in Bitcoin. So the way that the rival system works is that essentially, if you finish ahead of your rival, you're going to steal that person's month entry fee. Um, so the 15 bucks US is, is what you'll get to pocket as Bitcoin. If you get featured in any of the week's uh, highlight packages, up to all four of them, that's an extra $5 per time that um, you're featured in those highlight reels. And then, of course, there's the cash for the podium prizes at the end of the championship as well. So, you know, it could, it could be looking pretty tidy for a whole lot of people at the end of the month. Definitely not me, but definitely someone, <laughs> someone out there. Um, what's the hardest part about setting up tracks in, originally? Um, look, I, I've, I've been designing and building digital product and, and building startup businesses for, for a long time now. It's been my entire world for the last 10 years. So uh, it's almost it's almost like going through the motions now in terms of the, the boxes you need to tick and the things you need to do. Um, but I think 
given that it is such a new and novel idea and it's continuing to evolve, look, as a, as a lot of new startup ideas do really, um, the hardest thing I just has, has been navigating how we uh, build this thing efficiently um, without any sort of counterproductive speed bumps along the way because none of the team is, is full-time on this obviously you know we've got we've got full-time jobs and do other things during the day this is very much a, a side project at the moment it's um, something that we're going to go to market with continue to validate and uh, we hope it ends up really really big but you know we've been finding the time not only to build it but also evolve the idea which has changed what we're building along the way and so there's been a bunch of technical sort of pivots that we've needed to make from a, from an architecture and a, and a, a web app perspective um, and we've also made a bunch of changes to the model based on feedback and some more changes after the coins are invitational so it's just um i guess it's just trying to to get all of that done and, and make the time to give it enough thought um in spare time basically we also all have families so yeah. <laughs> spare time what's that again um <laughs> so how how different is it from that first pitch that you had about the idea to what it currently is sitting at now is it is a fairly big difference there uh, look, the the devil's always in the in the detail. I think if you looked at it from a thirty thousand foot perspective, the top down, all all the nuts and bolts are, are still fundamentally there, but all of those things have changed. You know, um, where they're located or what they do is a little bit different now. But you know, the the, the vision was clear from the outset. Um, I think Jeff Bezos has some um, something some quote which would I guess succinctly summarize what I'm describing, which is. You know, let's make sure we're aligned on the vision, uh, but we can argue about the details. You know, so you, you get to the same place, but but how you get there might change, and things you do to get there might change. Excellent. Where do you see tracks going in the future? Where, like, obviously, you want it to become your own business and have its own income, and and you don't have to work anymore. But where, <laughs> where, what else do you see it coming from? So we've already had a bunch of interest from other potential sponsors. We've had uh, people running physical. Um, sort of sim racing centers reach out to us, people who manufacture reaching out to us. Um, we've also had some questions put to us um, with respect to becoming a feeder series into real life motorsports. So obviously, you know, very, very early stage preliminary conversations, but the 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 reception for what we've done so far um, has been fantastic. Everybody loves the brand. Um, everybody loves the, the fundamental concept. Everybody loves the point of differentiation they love the impact we've already had you know 80,000 plus views across streamer and broadcast channels for the invitational they love the people that are supporting it so it's just ticking a lot of boxes for a lot of people and I think you know over the next two to three years I'd love to see us um, be setting up um, at certain international race events I'd love to see us thinking about how we might partner with with various uh, local or international series to to even if it's only exhibition in orientation as opposed to something that represents a true feeder series, just to do more fun and interesting things with the brand um, that tie into to, to real motorsport and physical sort of land-based sim racing. Yeah. So how do people, like you're mentioning the Open Series, that, that is, is it just starting up soon? Is that where it's at? It is, where end of at? this month. Yep. End of this month. How do people get involved in that? So um, tracks.racing, T-R-A-X dot racing is the domain. There's no .com or .com or anything. Uh, .com.au or anything like that. It's just tracks.racing. But at the moment, you can go and register your interest to drive. Uh, a driver profile is created for you, a, a very minimal one, a bare bones one right now. Uh, and over the coming few weeks, we'll be basically um, pumping out uh, an email first and foremost to all of those drivers that have already expressed interest when we have locked in the absolute first round start time, the category of car we'll be using, 
all of the detail really so that everybody has a, a full picture of precisely when we're starting and how it all looks. And it's at that point they'll be committing some funds to participate as well um, through uh, Stripe we're using for our payment gateway, which is which is tidy and, and secure and the user experience is awesome. Um, we're also continuing to build out the site. There's going to be an entire members page. There are going to be events pages. Um, you'll be able to uh, view the password for your session on iRacing through our user interface and view the standings and um, filter and search historically and all these sorts of wonderful things. So it's, it's, it's looking really good so far uh, and Rod is hard at work actually pulling it all together. He's, uh, yeah, he's committing an extraordinary amount of hours, uh, after hours for him um, to get this up and running. So much kudos to him. I, I want to circle back to GG Easy Bar because I'm fascinated by that. I love the idea when it opened up. What was it like setting that up? Um, I'd never worked in hospitality ever. I mean, the closest thing I've ever gotten to hospitality is working in retail selling mobile phones a long time ago. So I had pretty much zero experience. Um, but what I understood was was brand, was was esports and the related culture and, and, and gamer culture. Um, and I knew that Lachlan was the right guy to be building it um, from a, the perspective of a hotelier, I guess you could call him. But anyway, um, I think I think his, his vision and, and um, his leadership throughout that process of us soliciting investment and putting together the business plan and going off and doing all of the deals and finding the, the, the real estate. I mean, look, he pretty much did all of the work and from time to time I chimed in for an interview with Kotaku or something random like that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I've really reaped all of, all of the benefit and have not done much of the work at all um, apart from putting up some cash uh, and going in and drinking for free to keep Lachlan um, in a company. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, I, I, I imagine it was very stressful for Lachlan, uh, less stressful for me, but still kind of, you know, it's still kind of anxiety inducing. Uh, putting up money to, to co-found a bar, having never been involved in hospitality, us not really knowing if it was genuinely the right time, but feeling it's probably the right time. Uh, but look, it's, yep. it's, it's worked out pretty well so far. Um, and we think it's only going to, to continue uh, getting better and better so far as patronage and revenue is concerned over the coming years as, as the esports industry, uh, especially in Melbourne, continues to develop um, as COVID continues to, to be further and further into the revision mirror, hopefully. Mm. Um, so I think it's, it's only looking up and, um, uh, you know, think, talking about strange and interesting conversations from abroad. We, we originally dabbled with the idea that we might set up a, a sister bar in Sydney for it, another um, another large um, population who would be able to support such a, a niche venue. But now I'm having questions from people over in uh, the Middle East and um, the UAE saying, you know, we, we really love the brand. How's it going? Would you ever contemplate bringing it over here? Wow. that That's impressive to say the least. Um, yeah, no, definitely. When I went there, have you got much eye racing that you put up on the screens, or is it mainly because when I've been there, I think it's been uh, kind of strike and, and things like that. So from time to time, pretty rarely. From time to time, we see things like uh, chess and drone racing <laughs> and sim racing pop up on the screens. Um, but it's really most of the sort of the mainstream esports, um, the, the the tier one esports as we describe them. So things like yeah, Overwatch. Uh, League of Legends, uh, Rainbow Six, Counter Strike, these sorts of things. Um, yeah. But I will absolutely be uh, giving giving Lachlan a nudge to make sure that he puts more and more of the track stuff up as uh, as the series goes on. <laughs> to get a uh, sit, Definitely. get a rig in there and have a few people jump on. I'm sure that'll pique some people's interest. Well, I've already got one big piece of hardware in there. I donated my um, 
my arcade cabinet to the venue, which uh, is sort of modified with the widescreen and LCD, and there's a PlayStation underneath the cabinet, but it's got like nice Japanese Sanwa uh, parts for the for the stick and, and the buttons. Um, so maybe I'll just slot it in beside that and, <laughs> and make it another donation. So you opened just before PAX, didn't you? 2017? Uh, yeah, I don't, I'd, I'd have to go and look at my own LinkedIn now. I can't yeah. even remember. It's been a blur. About then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What What's it like opening with PAX? Like, or even any of the PAX, um, PAX Oz events, uh, what's it like in GG Easy Bar at that stage? Oh, well, you know, launching um, was, I mean, launching near PAX was, was very much a, a strategic priority uh, from memory. Yeah. I, I know that um, Lachlan saw a ton of value um, in the opportunity to, to, to leverage that community and make sure that we became a destination for that community uh, whenever the event was on. And I mean, to give you some insight, um, one weekend um, with PAX, the revenue generated from the community coming through the bar over the course of that weekend is anywhere between two and three months of standard revenue. So it's like, wow. it, it's, it's a massive, massive <laughs> deal for the, for the bar and, and, and it props us up through, through the quiet weeks. Um, you know, it, it helps make sure that there's, that there's some, some working capital in the bank uh, for those, those downtimes and the moments where uh, we aren't quite as busy. Yeah, so you've also got the new arena as uh, reopened or finally opened. In you mean Melbourne Fortress? Well. Fortress, that's the one. Yeah. I was trying to remember. I got the email about it a couple of weeks ago saying we're finally opening or reopening because that yeah. was obviously a very bad COVID-timed yeah. event as well. Feel for how those do you guys. See that? Sheesh. Yeah. How do you see that working with you guys? Well, look, in many ways, we're direct competitors, but we, uh, we're just wanting to see the community and the scene grow and be better supported. Um, you know, our bar's got a capacity of 170 which is actually kind of large we probably could have gone for a, a smaller space um even half that um but then when things like packs came around it means that we'd, we'd be missing out on, on a lot of revenue so the space we have is good their space is enormous i don't know it's, it's got to be many hundreds if not over a thousand uh, in terms of capacity i'm not sure if 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 melbourne or even australia is ready to support that size of venue yet but yeah. you know it, it sounds like they're in it for the long haul and uh, as long as they have the, the capital to sustain the rentals on that floor space which i know they've done a good deal with the complex for to make sure that it's you know um, it's not going to be too much of a financial burden um, in the in the short term i think you know they'll probably uh, capitalize on it over time i think there's the potential for them to do really well um i haven't been there personally firsthand um but yeah it's, it's it really sucked to see them open up i think it was like the week before they got told to <laughs> yep. shut down again they were only open for a few days and then it's like it's all shutting back down and yeah that'd just that'd just suck really bad yeah it was devastating because i've obviously been doing a lot of stuff in the gaming for a while with email and watching emails and, and he, I, I got your emails originally for ggez and did a few stuff on that but yeah to see that come out and the timing was almost heart-wrenching mm. but um where do you see racing, in particular iRacing, in the esports culture going forward? Is it something that's going to be growing from your eyes? Oh, look, it's definitely going to be growing. But I'm not sure that too many sim racers think about it um, as a part of the esports category. And I'm not sure that too many people yep. playing Counter-Strike put sim racing in the esports category either. And look, in many ways, it's the most legitimate esport. <laughs> it, is the, it is the closest um, digital representation of an analog experience in, in any of the the esports, right? I mean, League of Legends and and stuff is obviously pure fantasy. Um, then you have uh, other sports games which are nothing like the actual sport whatsoever. I mean, they're, they're designed to, to 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 look similar, but obviously you don't play them in any similar way. Um, yeah. Whereas 
iRacing and, and sim racing more broadly, uh, it's, it's, it's visceral. Uh, it's very, very similar. The skills are transferable. We see great real races coming to the sim racing world and dominating. We see people at the top of the sim racing game getting into real cars and doing very well. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, ironically, it's the truest of esports, but it's not really thought about in that way. And I don't think we need to anyway. Like, I don't think it's important. Those labels aren't important, but the bottom line is that sim racing is, is growing. The, the breakout mainstream moment it had last year through COVID was phenomenal. It really felt like all of a sudden there was this awareness, acceptance, and then even excitement from a lot of, um, uh, people that had had no exposure to it any time before that. Uh, and a, probably more acceptance indeed than the people that were watching footy on Fox Sports and then a game of Counter-Strike popped up and they were like, what the fuck is this? Whereas, <laughs> you know, it's very easy to make the leap from real racing to sim racing and start to understand um, that that close correlation. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the growth of sim racing. I'm sure it's going to continue. But it has been kind of amusing seeing so many rigs pop up for sale on, <laughs> on eBay and, um, and and Facebook marketplace groups from people that had spent big during COVID, um, I guess, almost as an experiment. And there's a whole bunch of these people going, oh, actually, it's 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 I'm not that good or it's not for me or I need yeah. the money now or that was a mistake. And so it's like, oh, man. But, um, you know, aside from seeing an influx of, of gear now on the market at reasonable prices again, which is good for anybody <laughs> wanting to get into it right now. Yeah, it's 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 only on the up and up. I definitely think yeah, definitely. I, things like um, yeah. seeing the V8 Supercars E-Series, like it just gave sim racing such a legit legitimacy like straight away, like seeing that on Foxtel, mainstream TV, and then all of the big stuff that NASCAR are doing with the Coke E-Series and stuff like that. It's just um, gives it that legitimacy that sometimes those other video games don't get to have really. Correct. And look, I think for, for sim racing, um, its relationship to free-to-wear television and, and sort of... Um, pay TV, we'll mm. call it, I think is still going to be important into the future just because of the broad audience. I think it was fantastic to finally start seeing some Counter-Strike hit Fox and, and major networks. But once you sort of had that feeling that it had now been legitimized because it's been on broadcast television, you very quickly realize that um, they don't need to be. And in fact, all of the money and all of the eyeballs um, are online. You know, It's all digitally native and, and um, Twitch and YouTube um, and even some other live streaming services to some degree, uh, Facebook throughout Southeast Asia. Uh, that's that's all esports needs, generally speaking. But I do think it's still going to play an important role for, for sim racing. Um, and I hope that we see more of it um, even outside of COVID. Yeah, definitely. I had a uh, interesting conversation a couple of years back with an R6 team owner and I was talking about how esports is growing and how sim racing is coming big and he pretty much laughed at me at that stage, not even considering it as a sport or well, an esport, which is not like, like we just said, it's probably not, but yeah, he didn't see it going anywhere at all. So it's interesting to see how the other side does view it. It mm. is very different. Mm. Um, so you've obviously mentioned before you're with the AFL at some stage as well with the user interface side of it there. Do you see the pinnacle of Australian or even global sport sharing some similarities with, with the future of esports and be able to learn from each other as, as they go forward? Yeah, I mean, look, um, I think I think part of the reason we've been able to get to such grand places so quickly with esports as a broad, broad category is because there was this um, 
instruction book, a playbook with all the failures and all the successes well documented for, for traditional sport. And of course, um, there are many, many parallels with, with esports. It requires a lot of the same human resourcing. It requires a lot of the same infrastructure, especially when it comes to things like video production, uh, when it comes to talent management. So there was just a lot of a lot of great learnings which existed before esports really sort of saw this meteoric rise over the last five to 10 years um, that that we could lean on uh, and I guess fast track the growth of esports. Um, I think there's probably now at this point in time a lot of learnings that traditional sport could be making from the success of esports as well, but I'm not sure they're paying enough attention or the right attention. I think they're still making a lot of silly decisions and they still don't really understand the category. Even those that are investing significantly into the space, it's like a bunch of white haired old men thinking it's a good investment opportunity, but not understanding the nuance of the culture. And so there's just a lot of interestingly strange things happening. Um, and yeah, look into the future, I absolutely think that um, there are going to be esports leagues which um, are just as known as, as some of today's traditional sport leagues. I, there's, there's no question. It's just a matter of it's a matter of time. It's a matter of uh, when, not if. Well, it's like I think I, I think the over, I saw, saw on your yeah. Twitter, and I think I've seen it quoted a few times. Um, I think it was was it the Mets owner who basically said like, "What well, I understand why you'd watch someone play a video game, but I don't." really get it kind of thing it's like you're literally your demographic is people watching something they cannot do as well as the people they're watching and that's why they watch it um so it's 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 always interesting to me um, that they have that view (laughs) it's it's a generational divide i think uh and and look the the older you get there's a bunch of things that happen both from a, a chemistry and biological perspective um and also from a cultural perspective, as you become more conservative, because you've got things like mortgages and kids, and you you basically through biology and culture become more averse to change um, and unwilling to accept new ideas um, as as easily as what you might have as a youngster. But um, to be honest, Bill Mayer, who's the, the part owner of the Mets, he recently sold his share, but he was the part owner of the Mets who made that comment. He's always been strangely strangely tunnel visioned. I mean, he was <laughs> criticizing smartphones back in two thousand and three, um, and so well. you know he's he's always kind of been anti-technological digital media progress he's he likes things to stay the same and be the way they always were but it was funny to see him say you know he thinks twitch is is a waste of time um given that his organization or the uh, the organization that he was involved with a sports team completely and entirely relies on uh people watch other people play a game yeah, so it's it's funny, but you know he's not alone. There are there are there are lots of those critics, um, but that's okay. They'll they'll all be dead soon, and uh, the Gen Zs will take over. So <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, no, I can't. <laughs> um, so look, I even see it in the iRacing community. Like, it's a lot of stuff on Twitter. It just blows up every now and then. Where a pro driver will take a swing at sim drivers, and it was in our Discord. It popped up the other day where someone was saying, "Oh, you can't get this feeling at, at Spa." In a, in a sim for all those sim races out there and then everyone's like well you know we do it because we can't afford to pay the million dollar entry fee that you are paying and we get just as good a feeling out of it but we enjoy it for our own reasons and it's still this back and forth between pro drivers and and uh and sim drivers i um <clears throat> i've got a few friends that aren't gamers aren't aren't sim racers and in some cases aren't even motorsport uh, fans or, or interested in, in in vehicles um and they say, well, you've spent how much on your rig? Why don't you just buy like a real race car and take it to the track? Uh, and A, the, 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 combat, the compounding cost of, of remaining active in a real world racing series is very, very expensive. Far more expensive than my rig over, over time, probably a short amount of time. But besides that, um, I, I love the idea that I can 
um, throw on my my HMD and sit down in in the rig and race anytime uh, and race as frequently as I. It's for, for me. There's a lot of racing carts. I miss it. There's a physicality and a, and a rush and the, and the, the the smell of the petrol and the smell of the rubber and the wind in the face. You know, there's just a whole lot of things which which can't be well simulated yet. But you know, I've got some butt kickers and I've got a fan <laughs> that blows on me, so you can you can start to to get a little bit of the way there. But um, I, I think there are there are certain there are certain benefits um, and advantages to sim racing over real racing. Uh, frequency is one of them. And, you know, you see a lot of the V8 supercar drivers doing it for similar reasons. They, they know it's not a perfect simulation. It's not a one-to-one. And while the track is laser scanned with extreme accuracy, there's just a lot of physics-based problems which aren't easily solved in any simulation to make it basically perfect. And trying to take uh, a motor vehicle and, and replicate its performance inside of a simulated world, it's it's actually pretty hard stuff. And so, look, I I think I think the likes of uh, Assetto Corsa and iRacing should be commended. It, it's it's pretty fucking fantastic, all things considered. And yeah, you'll still get the real world race drivers who goes, well, it's still not still not really real. Well, no, of course it's not. Um, <laughs> but we'll keep getting better. We'll keep getting better and better. Uh, and you know, it's still a fuck ton of fun. Like it's still racing. Yeah, exactly. And there's definitely still plenty of people doing it and spending the money on it. Yeah. Now we've talked about a whole heap of other stuff, but I haven't talked about you and iRacing. Mm. Um, when did you start in iRacing? Started in and, and hold on, I want to quickly go in. What was that first wheel that you got? The first wheel was a Logitech G25. Yep, okay. So around Grand Turismo three, four time period there. Um, and I very quickly upgraded to a triple monitor setup. Um, I think I had a, yep. I think I had a GTX 580 GPU, which was I think was top of the line at the time. Um, and I had these little I think they were 13 inch, no, 23 inch screens and they were NVIDIA's, uh, the, the first NVIDIA 3D Vision compatible screens in that they were 120 hertz, one of the, one of the first high refresh LCDs on market. Um, they, were, they were pretty small, but anyway, I got three of them. They had massive bevels, it didn't matter. And my <laughs> GTX 580 ran them okay in most situations in iRacing. And so my, my, my G25 was mounted to the desk and the pedals were underneath and I had these, these monitors literally hanging off the edge on each side. Um, but I was, I was hooked. I was, yeah, I was racing way too much. But I didn't have a kid back then, so I got to like spend yeah. just entire afternoons and evenings in, into the wee hours of the morning, just racing and racing and racing. And I raced the skip barber pretty much exclusively to the point where, you know, I was getting ten baggers of, of wins, and my eye rating was increasing. You know, one, two, three, four hundred points in a night sometimes because I would just string these these wins together and, and get 80 to 100 points for every win uh, and so I, there was a time there where I felt kind of untouchable in the Australian uh, skip bubba scene um, because I was just winning all those races if I stayed up late enough or got up early enough then there was still a bunch of Europeans which would fucking flog me just like fast <laughs> yep. fast people so I wasn't I wasn't well beating but uh, I was I was Australia beating for a, for a very brief period um, and then, it, and then it dropped right off for, for quite a long time. Um, and I really only returned uh, a year or two ago. Um, I killed my iRating upon return. Like I, I came back to, to iRacing after a, a long hiatus with, um, with about a 30, I think it's 33, 34, something like that, mid 3000s IR. Uh, and that very quickly dropped all the way back to 1800. Um, <laughs> and I had to start to climb again. So I think I'm back up to around 2600 now. And, and I aspirationally, uh, I'll see if I can get to, to 4000 sometime over the, um, the coming year. 
Nice. I look forward to seeing that. So, Skip Barber, your favourite car, or you've got another one? Not like anymore. I can't. I can't drive the Skip Barber again. I've tried, and uh, I don't know. I think um, I've spent too much time in Sims driving bigger, more powerful cars now. And I just, I just, I mean, it's fun, but um, I'm, I'm really enjoying the FR 2.0 at the moment, which is still a relatively low-powered open-wheel vehicle, but. Um, it's faster. It's more exciting. Um, it's it's you're able to stick it on rails if you've got a good racing line and, and you understand um, you know the the right way to brake and accelerate in and out of corners. And so it, it feels like something that is very much in your control and not something that you're sliding across the track in a go kart kind of fashion like with the Skippy, which again is fun. But I'm I'm liking that sort of purer, more precise racing. Uh, the beauty of the FR20 is that it's still slow enough that it, comp- it creates really. Um, close competitive racing without too many fuck-ups because people still have time to react and respond you know again most of us sim racers with disposable cash are 26 to 40 plus and so <laughs> we we don't have the lightning quick reflexes um you know of um of, of a hamilton um so I, I like the fr20 i think it's a good balance between like aggressive exciting driving that's fast enough but not too fast um the fr35 i find is is way too much the f3 is pretty good but yeah i spent most of my time last season i think in the fr20 um although with the changes to the usf 2000 that have just been made it's it's driving a lot nicer as well it feels feels a little bit more controllable um and because the uh, usf 2000 races are every hour instead of every two hours i think i'm probably about to start racing uh the usf a lot because i just love the idea that i if i've got some time I can sit down in the evening and just do three or four races back to back, you know, three or four hours worth of racing um, and get really good with the car and the track during that period of time. So that's, you know, uh, as, a, as a father and somebody working on a lot of projects, um, deciding that I'm going to commit a night to iRacing and then only be able to get in two FR20 races, it's a bit of a bummer. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely understand that completely. Uh, what's your favorite track? Hmm. This this track is not good, and it's kind of cliche, but this track is no good for either of the low. It's okay, but I I'm, I just I love Spa. I love driving Spa. Um, uh, I was supposed to go, or I was in Germany at the time. I was supposed to go to Belgium to Spa for the F1. I decided to pull out at the last moment because a bunch of friends that I was traveling with weren't going to join me, and I didn't really want to want to go solo. So I, I pulled out of going to Spa at the last moment. Uh, instead. Um, we went to a few bars that night and I got uh, ripped off credit card for it to the tune of $5,000. Oh. And so I've just been kicking myself ever since I fucking went to Spa and saw, and saw the F1 at Spa. Then I, I also wouldn't have had to deal with $5,000 worth of fraud. So I, I'm kicking myself eternally for that one. Um, but I also really love Brazil. Um, I think I think Brazil and Belgium. Um, and again, you know, I've been, I've been an F1 guy for a long time. But those tracks, I just find them really compelling to watch and really exciting to drive, depending on the vehicle. Is uh, Interlagos off the schedule now the, with the new Brazil truck coming? Um, I couldn't even tell you. I, I haven't watched, I've watched like three F1 races this season um, and I haven't been paying really any attention to the schedule or anything. I've just been so fucking bored with the, with the Hamilton dominance and I was looking so forward to the big, big regulation changes that were going to yeah. reintroduce some ground force um, and try and uh, enable closer racing and mix things up from a specification perspective. So I was really hoping that this year was 
was going to be that year. And I was fucking pumped. I was primed, ready to like recommit to F1 in a big way. And then they just made a bunch of changes uh, because of COVID and they're going to yeah. do the more interesting things next year. So yeah. I expect that, that next year um, I'll become um, some kind of Wikipedia of F1 again. But <laughs> what I can tell you about this season is pretty close to zero. <laughs> Well, luckily, there's only been three races, so, you so watch- if you have caught three, you've got all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching any motorsport at all? Are you like following IndyCars or anything like that? No, I've, I've never gotten into any of the American stuff. Um, I've watched bits of Formula E in passing. I've watched a lot of Formula One. I've watched some V8 back in the day, but it just mostly because um, of friendship circles rather than my own interest in it. Um yeah, I've, I've watched the odd 24-hour. Uh, um, I've watched a little bit of um, MotoGP just because a friend in Brisbane does. But really, my my main sort of interest has, has been F1 over the years. I, I watched I watched every race live um, from 2007 to 2015, like live, live. If, if it was on at 3 a.m. or 5 a.m., I'd get up for it. Uh, so I was, yeah, I was fanatical about it for quite a while um, and have drifted away. Um, but look forward to, to, to the changes to these cars next year, which I think hopefully will make it much more exciting. Um, I, I really didn't enjoy Schumacher's era of dominance. Appreciated, brilliant. Um, and I'm not enjoying Hamilton's era of dominance either. I was, uh, I was living in London and I was at a pub um, when he won his first championship. Um, and it seemed pretty clear right then that the writing was on the wall. It's like, oh, I feel like this is about <laughs> to continue for a long time. This guy's really good. He's a douchebag, but he's really good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I liked, I just liked to, for me, obviously Aussie mentality. I uh, love to see a good underdog battle and, and, and I like to see a more frequent challenge. I suppose it's no fun for me yep. just watching a procession and watching the same guy win uh, every month, um, every week, whatever whatever the cadence is for the particular series. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping that these changes a make the cars a lot more fun to drive, creates better racing. Just um, you know, I guess from a mechanical perspective, um, from an aerodynamic perspective, and then hopefully we also don't see Hamilton on the podium every fucking race. <laughs> Absolutely. Um- Let's let's talk about your rig. What have you got that you... What, what are you racing? Right now, uh, I've got a Fnatic DD1. Yeah. Um, I've I only ran it at about 15%, so about, about uh, 50%, not 15, sorry. So about <laughs> 10 newton meters. Um, the, the Running it full is just... It's a bit silly. So I, I run it at 10, but really the reason I got the direct drive was for the fidelity, um, for a sense of accuracy with relation to the feedback that I'm feeling, less so than the outright torque. So didn't need to go to the DD2, uh, especially in Australia where part of the, the selling point is the extended warranty, but the ACCC will come to your rescue if it breaks after the first 12 months anyway, because consumer law is, is, is nice for consumers. Um, pedals... What are they? Uh, I've just got the uh, clutch for my HE Sprint set. I was just I was just running the, the brake accelerate for a while. Now I've got the clutch in there, which I've used like twice because again, <laughs> mostly Formula vehicles. Um, what else do we have here? It's a it's a TR80 from Track Racer. Um, it was a fucking nightmare to build, but I, I enjoy it now that it's built. Um, Sparco R333 seat, which I've just I've switched out. I had it. Um, a Proforce FIA approved um, fiberglass sort of bucket seat, sort of almost like a formula style bucket seat for a while, but I'm old now. And it turns <laughs> out that getting in and out of that thing frequently and being stuck in that thing for four hours, it really fucked up my back. So I've gotten a, a more GT style seat now. It's the same one that Dave Cam uses actually. Um, got a Fanatic shifter. I've got a HE handbrake, again, which I've used a few times, but I am dabbling in rally cross at the moment, which is really fun. 
Uh, what else have I got over here? A couple of butt kickers, one on each side of the seat. Um, and my Pimax 8K Plus VR HMD with a few uh, Lighthouse 2.0 Valve Cine base station things to, to track, uh, which is which is great. The, the field of vision on, on this on this VR HMD is amazing. It's really just all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is definitely a good rig. Uh, what what are you racing in the Rallycross? Um, I've been running the Subaru just because growing up yep. in Salisbury and Adelaide, everybody wanted a WRX. So I've been um, <laughs> getting into the WRX, but I actually find the trucks more fun. And uh, what I've sort of found is that with the trucks, you don't even need a handbrake to drive them really, really well. Just a really short, sharp stab on the brake effectively feels like what a handbrake might in, in the Subaru. And so you can really put it into corners um, with sort of tremendous precision uh, and get a great exit. And it's just fun drifting around and going over the jumps. But the trucks are a, a lot of fun. Um, we've raced them for some shits and giggles in a Thursday night community race that I race in called FFF. Um, and that's been, yeah, it's, it's been pretty hilarious. Some of us never grow up and you we know, still uh, drive Subarus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been watching uh, we, uh, Pro Trucks uh, on a thir- uh, Wednesday night. No, Tuesday night, I think it is, on um, Simspeed. And I've been watching a fair bit of that where they run around the tarmac. And um, yeah, it's quite entertaining watching those things dive into corners and, and flip other cars over because they get so, <laughs> so down on the suspension. Um, what, what's your favourite moment in iRacing so far? Besides the, the battle that got you into tracks, I guess. Um, well, look, that's that's probably the best race, not the best race outright, but the most enjoyable race I've I've had in in recent yeah. memory. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's been a very different experience in the FR twenty compared to my memories of the Skip Barber. I think um, the the Skip Barber, given its sort of entry level nature, um, there was always. It always felt a little bit more on edge, a little bit riskier. There was a lot more incidents. There was a lot more people doing dumber stuff. That still happens, of course, in every series, but it definitely feels like in the FR20, especially around that sort of 2,500, 2,000 IR category, which I'm in now, that um, there's actually a lot of sensible, reasonable drivers and still some dumb shit happens. Um, But I've just found that the racing feels more exciting because it's a bit quicker. Um, I feel like I'm more in control of my own destiny because the car is just more, more precise to drive. You can you can sort of stick it on rails and, and push it around a, a very exact line um, without feeling like it's about to come out from underneath you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've just had a ball since actually starting to put some real hours again, uh, in, in again since buying my new, my new rig and upgrading it a few times over the past year or two. Have you got anything else on the horizon that you want to upgrade or it sounds like you're pretty set? Um, I feel like that's probably enough for now. Otherwise, um, the wife is going to kill me and put my my body in a barrel and send me to Snowtown. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough too. Uh, Look, we've we've had you for long enough. I don't want to hold you up too much. You are a busy man. But one final question for you. Uh, Who who do you reckon we should get on the podcast next? Um, Have you you had Emery on the podcast before? No, not yet. So, not as yet, no. So, obviously, Australian, um, female, very fast, like fucking an amazing driver. She's real quick. She's, she was setting times there with some of the quickest drivers. It was impressive. Um, good personality. Uh, obviously, has a, a pretty interesting um, CV, I guess you'd call it. Um, you know, she's, yep. she's very successful on Twitch. So, I think, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes. I, I, think, I think she'd be a fantastic guest. Um, I, I'd love, I'd love to listen her- to her. 
If we put her picture on the i on the, oh, uh, dude, the, 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 the podcast we'll... numbers, the, the listener <laughs> numbers, we'll just go through the roof, no doubt. Yeah. Okay, sweet. That sounds like it's a plan. Let's go. Let's talk about that later. Uh, look, thank you so much for your time, Jamie. Uh, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You've got so much information, so much knowledge in your head in everything in gaming slash non-gaming simulations. Uh, and I look... Wish you best for tracks. Let's do one last plug for your Twitch, your YouTube, and tracks itself. Yeah, awesome. Um, tracks.racing, T-R-A-X.racing. Go and register a driver account um, and join our Discord. We've got 100-ish, 115-ish people in there, including all of the invitational drivers that participated if you want to have a chat to them. Uh, and, of course, we'll let you know through the Discord and through email uh, when... Um, the actual public series is, is ready to, to be registered for, which will be really, really soon. And you'll get you know preferential access to somebody that's pre-registered now. Um, on a personal note, I use Twitter a lot. So if you want to come and say hello, it's just at Jamie Skeller, S-K-E-L-L-A. Um, and we can have some sim racing or technology banter there. But um, yeah, that's about it. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. And we will catch you hopefully in the future when we can talk about more track stuff when it's a massive success. Yeah, I hope so. Awesome. There you go, Braden. I feel a lot more knowledgeable, especially on esports and and racing in general. How do you feel after Jamie's interview? Yeah, absolutely. Um, excited to see where tracks goes. Uh, that's for sure. Oh, it's yeah. definitely an interesting concept, and I'm looking forward to see that it grow. You know, through that organic um, competition that it really brings to racing. Definitely battling with someone every chance you get, and knowing that you've got one person that you really need to beat. Um, it's definitely an interesting idea. Yeah, definitely, definitely go check that out, tracks.racing. And uh, yeah, definitely something we'll be following in the future as much as we can. Saying that, we have so much we're following at the moment. <laughs> Just a quick note. I've been busy, Braden's been busy. We definitely had time for Scops because we both sat there and watched it live. Um, I made some very bad comments in YouTube, so I apologize on SimSpeed for <laughs> jinxing a few people. Uh, but that's what I do. Um if you have got a series out there and you do want us to cover it, just send us an email, contact us at lockedonlads.com or hit us up on the Facebook page, Locked On Lads. Send us a message through there. Just with the results, we'll go through it. We'll quickly try and catch up on, on anything that happened in the actual broadcast if there was a broadcast. And we're happy to read those results out um, or a little write-up that you read out on the podcast. Obviously, we're volunteering our time for this. So to actually fit in time to watch probably... 13 or 14 or 15 hours of um, actual broadcast races just at the moment let alone more is is a little bit hard but we are working towards it on ways ways to do that but if you are interested look the just just either send us to a link of your facebook page where the results are there's a few that i want to cover but i just can't seem to find the actual results easy enough but if you do want to discover it like i said hit us up on the facebook page or hit us up in the discord or by email uh, another option too is come over and post uh, the results on our Facebook page as well. Uh, it is open. We had into Sim Network post some stuff promoting the, the current race that they had on there as well. Uh, just come let us know and, and we're happy to put the results on there and, and that way we can definitely find it when we want to find the results. But without further ado, let's go into Aussie Car Season 7, Race 1, Round 1, sorry, Race 1 and 2 which Braden had a brilliant weekend at, uh, sorry, week at, uh, how did you go, mate? I, I refuse. <laughs> you refuse? I refuse. You can't make, so, me, you can't make me talk about it. 
Okay, so look, a little bit of background. Season seven, Ugh. round one, we debuted Locked On Racing's new look, I guess, with four teams racing, uh, eight drivers, which is something we've never done before. The most we've ever had was two, uh, two ordinary drivers. Um, sorry, Matthew Joy, but you were ordinary <laughs> if you were behind me um, and never really pushing for anything. But this time we had people like Josh Fitch, Fidge Johnston, we had Braden Martin, Nathan Verney, Tim Corn, Vic Vance Belson, Matthew Mites, myself, and last minute recruit James Chastanoff, um, who we'll talk about a fair bit on this podcast. And I'm sorry, Scurvo, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> um, look, we had eight of us, seven of us for the first race because Nathan was still putting his rig together. Eight of us by the end of it. Um, the the comment on the broadcast was that's every locked on car spinning when i know three of us had spun at that stage <laughs> um so thanks thanks for that nick um but yeah it was really good look it was a very fun thing experiment to pull off and it was a very fun night to be honest and, and having a little bit of a debrief with everyone at the end of it uh seeing one podium uh and one almost podium in rate both races was was really good to see seeing josh um, do what he did we, was really good as well, um, and and being there for Braden when he did what he did, <laughs> which we'll get to in a sec, um, was, uh, was was entertaining. But yeah, it was just good having other people out there going for the same goal. Um, I'll start with how I went, Braden. We'll ease you into this, okay? All right, thank so, you. I'm having post more traumatic stress, so. <laughs> Um, race one, I can't even remember where I qualified. It was around that mid-pack, 14-15 again, as I always do. Um, first lap fine, got a slow down, uh, avoiding Josh on turn one, um, cutting the corner. So that two and a half seconds pushed me back in the field. But then second lap, coming the bend onto the straight, all by my own. And thank you, Jay, for going back and finding this on the broadcast. Uh, just got that left wheel on the dirt as I was putting the foot down. And that just is an instant spin. I was pretty happy with the fact that I was facing the wrong way and was steering the car away from the driving line and then pulled her up on the grass without hitting the wall. I actually did see I that. Had to wait. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. I'll, I'll give you that. That was a good look. It was a good <laughs> Thanks, look man. for the team. <laughs> it was. And then you had to sit there and wait for every single person to come past before I flicked kicked it and, and, and went off again. Uh, unfortunately, Josh spun on the first corner as, as we saw, but then me and him got to race together a little bit uh, for the Man Cave podcast team. Uh, we, but he, even with his damage, he was still too fast for me, and and he went up. But I did have to, that was my race one. I did have to feel for yeah. Josh in that first race. He qualified really well, <sighs> and out of everyone that you would think who was going to get him, unfortunately, Alex just tagged him in the rear coming into the first turn. He must have thought, like, what have I done to deserve this? <laughs> and you yeah. know, to his credit, Alex gave one of the biggest redresses of all time, <laughs> just about, um, and, yeah. and still felt bad afterwards. So. You know, it was just one of those things that happens. And I think what Josh sort of said was, um, you know, I think Alex had too much trust in in him. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, just uh, unfortunately got him in the back. But um, yeah. And look, honestly, Josh's first ever Aussie car race. Now he's obviously raced many times before, but this is this was a 40 car or 30 car deep field. Yeah. Uh, he's third on the grid going into turn one at Indy Road Track and... Yeah, it's all kinds of crazy going into that first corner. So, look, I feel for him, but he proved himself in the second race, which 
the second race, I I got a banker in. We only got the one qualifying lap, and I liked the change, but only about half the team, half the team, half the actual field qualified, which was interesting. Um, I put a banker in and got like thirteenth or fourteenth or something once again, and um, and then went the long strategy. Got sort of caught out there. Didn't want to go in. Got got stuck with a few people that I was racing around with, which was good. Um, as I said before, bent my wing without my knowledge, which sort of made it a little bit hard to keep up with people at that stage. I think it was Stuart Crawford I was racing around with at one stage, uh, and Ira was in there as uh, those one eleven cars. They all the same, but um, it it was good. Raced around with that, almost missed my missed my pit bay box, and then came out with um Stafford Marsland right in front of me. Now he apparently completely missed his pit bay and had to reverse back. <laughs> And um, that's how, because he was laughing ahead of me and I came out and I've done a lot of practice on colds. I come out late, so I get practice on colds and I was all over him. And every time I went to go into a corner to get past him, I'd lose momentum because he'd get into that corner just in front of me. I'd never have an overlap. Um, Unfortunately, then his tyres warmed up, my tyres warmed up and he was faster and he got away. So he did a really good job holding me off, but end up 14th, which I was happy with for a second race of the season so 20th and 14th was where i ended up smashed the wall coming onto the main straight absolutely collected it there was about three or four cars around us i'd held russell clark behind us but he was a lap down he he luckily yeah didn't try to push the point but i had tim poor tim caught behind me and i watched me go into the wall and then i looked behind and his tim sliding into the wall as well because he got, we went in the same pace, the same line as I did, and we both made the same mistake. We didn't lose any positions out of it, luckily, but yeah, it was a it was a fun way to finish the race. I then did a lap of the oval with uh, Russell and Tim before I cleaned them up. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> so see that. that. Was good fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh... So look, tell us, come on, Braden, what happened? Well, if we talk about the first, you know, <laughs> lap and a third of the first race, you know, anyone would think I was Max Verstappen in the flesh. I mean, yeah. yeah, so it all started poorly when I got one qualifying lap in out of four um, due to off track. So <laughs> that didn't help. So I qualified 19th, which sort of was putting me on edge as it is. Um, you know, I sort of have got accustomed to, to qualifying sort of in that six to 10 range normally over the last few seasons and getting pretty comfortable with the drivers that are around that area and being able to sort of have that trust and sort of know what's going to happen. So that was already on my mind. And then I had an absolutely mega start. Like that first quarter incident, I managed to get up the outside, get around a few people who were having to slow down for the first quarter incident. Um, You know, chucked the car up the inside of a couple of people who were maybe looking a little bit nervous under colds. And I went from 19th to 8th in about the first lap and a third. So I was actually talking to Matthew in in the chat and I said, as we're on the grid, you know, oh, 19th, I was pretty down on myself. I said, you know, if I can get up to 10th, I actually think that would be a really good result this race because let's be honest, this field is quality this year or this season. It's a a really massive field. Um, So I had my heart set on, you know, trying to break into that top 10. And all of a sudden I'm eighth, you know, I'm smiling. I'm smiling (laughs) ear to ear. (laughs) Um, yep. And then, as I do, I looked in my rear vision mirror and I, I think it was one of the Alex's, either McKellar or John. Um, I think it was must have been McKellar uh, behind me because he had a slowdown from earlier in the earlier in the race or something and he was on his way back through yeah. and just panicked, went too deep into one of the corners, ended up and 
touching the grass, trying to pull it up and spun around and had to let the whole field through basically. So uh, fought my way back from 26th or 7th or something ridiculous (laughs) to end up uh, 17th. So it wasn't all bad news, but it definitely wasn't great news. Um, And then, yeah, race two actually was going really well as well. Seems to be a common theme with my races lately. Um, pitted early um, and managed to tag on the back of um, John Schultz and was able to keep up with him so was really happy with that I think he might have had a little bit of wing damage which was probably helping a little bit but basically had a massive run with um, him and Daniel Hedescheid Um, we were really close together and then with McKellar uh, having to double pit for getting to do tyres in the second race uh he ended up I love that. yeah he ended up joining the group and I, I pulled off what I thought looked like an amazing pass on uh both um McKellar and um John Schultz uh, Russ, I think yeah, it was, was yeah John yeah. Schultz um around the outside of turn 1 and I was I was really chuffed about that you can ask Matthew how happy I was the photos <laughs> up on our Facebook page right now yeah so it, it was like three right three wide around the outside um cuz John sort of went over to cover Alex and sort of let me get up the outside. It was really cool. Um, and then later that lap or the next lap, yeah, I think it was later. Lap, I think I it, was, it was yeah later that lap or the next lap. Um, we got a bit racy. Um, I ended up on the outside of Daniel Hedershide, um around the sort of horseshoe hairpinny kind of turn, um, and ended up having to try and tuck back into him, but didn't quite get my line into one of the upcoming turns, and it just sent me in a little deep, got me on the dirty stuff. The rear went round and unfortunately John just had nowhere to go um, and cleaned me up and that basically put us both out. I had 12 minutes of repairs or something. So um, I ended up 25th in which, well, Daniel Hedeshide ended up 6th. So would have been probably in that sort of 6th, 7th, um, six, 5, 6, 7th battle, um, unfortunately. So yeah, that was... That was my round, so I'm now carrying the Locked On Racing dunce cap because <laughs> I'm uh, last in our po- little points tally, but uh, hopefully this week I'll will go quick- better. I quickly want to touch on McKellar for a second. Now, we had the lovely Jason Fewins join us as spotter. Uh, he just wanted to really watch a race, but he was in there helping the spot and um, for race two and half of race one, and... He's in there race two. He's gone, oh, look, it's Kelly. He's just done an absolutely blinder pit stop. Oh, my God. Why have done that thing? <laughs> two seconds. I'm like... Oh, he hasn't done tires. He goes, no, no, he would have done tires if you're. Oh no, and then he, he's coming again. I'm like, yeah, he definitely didn't do tires. <laughs> so, um, the live comment commentary side of that was um quite interesting. I loved having someone in there that wasn't actually focused on racing, being able to tell us what was going on. Yeah. It was it was really handy. Um, but let's go through the results because there, I guess there was one major incident. There was, there was a few incidents, obviously, that happened. Um, poor. Poor Dennis Hancock seemed to be in the middle of everything. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to you, mate. Um, seemed to you didn't have a very good race at all. I've never seen him that low in the in the points ever. Um, but and Sean Doyle, I think, had a bit of a uh, his teammate had a bit of an incident in turn one of the second or uh, turn three or four in the second race as well. It was one of the white knuckle racing cars anyway. But yeah, the big one was obviously Russell Clark coming out of the pits yeah. and hitting single monitor plebness as he says <laughs> uh, quoted. Uh, didn't see Justin Howe and absolutely cleaned him up and almost took out about three locked-on cars behind <laughs> him, I think, at the same point. It was definitely um, one of the bigger crashes we've probably had in Aussie car history. The only the yeah. only one that I sort of think back to 
is I think it was at Aiden Coot right back in maybe yeah. season one or two where he turned into Watkins a canoe Glen. at Watkins Glen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. That that was a big turning point for for Aussie Car at the time. Yeah. But yeah, this was, and Russell felt obviously super bad about it, and um, yeah, Justin just got stuck at the wrong end of it. Uh, but it was it was interesting to watch and hear all the comments that were also live as it went along and, and seeing it on the broadcast. We watched the replay of it afterwards and it was definitely just, he picked the line, he went out and it was the wrong line because it cut across the actual racing line. Yeah. So it happens, mistakes happen, especially with the fields the way they are. You are concentrating on trying to save every single second you can to try and get up in the thing. But I guess the results, congratulations to Donald, um, who is now part of Milo Racing. I think, mm. um, but Donald. So these results will dry up after after putting that livery on. Surely he'll be doing a, a yeah, bit of a definitely. spin. <laughs> but absolutely amazing effort debut race for Aussie Car in the most stacked field we've ever had, and he takes out the win yeah. over John Schultz Very and Scott. Uh, well done to Scott Bargen as well. Absolutely amazing round. Uh, we'll get to that in a sec second. But then Alex John fourth, uh, James Chaston off fifth, Russell Clark sixth. Tim Court seventh, Justin Howe eighth, Matthew Mites, the ever consistent ninth, and then Sean Doyle tenth sort of rounds out the top ten in race one. Race two saw Scott come flying through and unfortunately beat Justin I oh, sorry, Justin Josh Fidge Johnson, uh the locked on racing team member, uh for about two and a half uh, sorry, about a quarter of a second uh for, for the win. Uh, Josh second, Alex John in third, Alex McKellar after taking two pit stops coming back home in fourth. Uh, Donald then fifth in that race with Daniel Hedershire sixth. James Chastanoff seventh. I can't remember what uh, James just had a terrible qualifying. He didn't get a qualifying position, so he actually jumped up about twelve or fifteen spots. Yeah. So there was a few people like that. Uh, Matthew might have a consistent eighth, um, ninth for Sean Doyle and tenth Stuart Crawford. Can I give a shout out to the most consistent person though for the whole round, which is Vic Ben Felson, who got. 18th and 18th. <laughs> that, that is a testament Abs- to consistency. <laughs> that is. Uh, so that is the the main uh, results. So I think Jan- Daniel Hedershide was the, probably the biggest mover. I think he started right down around the 30th position. Um, or was someone... Yeah, there was definitely... A, there was a couple that started way down and jumped up. Can, but can I just pipe Well in, done to everyone. Can I just pipe in? One of the more funny things I've experienced so far was uh, Josh and his almost complete refusal to want to jump into the Sim Speed <laughs> interview booth after the race. All of us are like begging to one day get a podium again so we can go and just talk our rubbish to the Sim Speed guys. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going in there. Don't make, don't make no, me go. Don't, don't make me go. And we forced him to go over there. And then unfortunately, they ran out of time anyway. So I did think that was pretty funny. Did you watch the end of the broadcast? We're like, oh, no one wants to come yeah, talk to us. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, so he could have got a chat if we had to just... Uh... <laughs> he could have had the whole time to himself. Yeah. But anyway. Unbelievable. Doesn't matter. Josh, we'll get you in there next week. We're just going to drag and drop him. Oh, we can't do it because we're in sim speed anyway. Doesn't matter. <laughs> series points. So we now have Scott Bargen as the series leader of Aussie Car, which is an amazing effort from what his debut season was last year. He's on 98 points at the moment over Donald... On 96, Alex John on 95, and James Chastanoff on 90 in fourth place. Alex McKellar in a very strange position in fifth, yeah. 86, and Matthew Mites and Daniel Hedershide in equal sixth on 85. So there's 13 points between sixth and first, or seventh and first, basically. 
Yeah. Um, it's nice to see some different names winning races. I know, you know, I'm not expecting myself to be up there winning any anytime soon, but just, you know, having those few seasons where it was Cameron Dance every race and then Ben Snell yeah. every race and the Cameron Dance one, especially, that felt like it was about three seasons <laughs> where it was hard to get him off the top uh, top of the um, podium. But yeah, nice seeing some different names uh, on the winner's list. Yeah, definitely. The whole field is, is lifted, to be honest, which is, is really good to see. Um, shout out to Vic Van Felsen, who ended up in 18th after only 18th and 18th. So well done. You are doing a great job there. But that Tim Corn in 10th, Josh Fidge Johnson in 9th, uh, and Sean Doyle was there in 8th is, is where we round out the top 10 for the season so far. Uh, we go then to the team's points and top split racing, uh, taking a commanding lead already. Alex John and Alex McKellar with 181 points over 111 esports, which is Ira and Scott on 175 points, and then drops back to Van Diemen Racing, uh, Donald and Russell Clark on 165, one point ahead of one esports pink on 164, which is Stuart and Daniel Hedeshire, Jill Crawford and Daniel Hedeshire. Then the locked on block happens. Uh, locked. Uh, the Man Cave podcast, me and Josh, is in fifth. Uh, three points ahead of LockedOnLads.com, which is Vic and Tim. But we have subbed him out for <laughs> the much-improving uh, Josh. So Josh is coming in with our favourite driver, Vic. So uh, that's purely because of the skill level of Vic. We need to get a better racer with him. So <laughs> uh, that that's what's happened just right there. So uh, shout-out to to that change uh, so we'll see that that coming in the near future just just um, as a side note is there any reason why oh, oh no. sorry it's not josh it's james yeah, I was, anyway james oh, sorry I was, that was my first side note but my second side note was going to be is there any reason why russell clark has like the three lines after his name as I if he's know. russell clark the third? the third that's what i was gonna i was gonna actually say it but i'm like i don't know if that's right I, well it's in the it's in that's the aussie car discord so uh russell clark the third if there's any story behind that can you please give us a <laughs> please let up? us know <laughs> yeah so, yeah, so James Chastanoff will be taking Tim's spot in that team uh, for the remainder of the season because Tim is unfortunately out this week on holidays, uh, which obviously kills you in points. Uh, I would like to see a drop round, but the there's, the seasons aren't long enough, unfortunately, in Aussie cars, so we yeah. can't really do it. Uh, Locked on iRacing Podcast in 7th, uh, 145, one point behind .com uh, with yourself and Matthew Mites. And then Nathan Verney is now teaming up with Tim Cornt. Uh We don't have a points tally for them because they're not on here for some reason i'll fix that up next week uh but yeah white knuckle racing 111 esports green uh black sheep racing emu racing which is no longer because james is now with us and team mist apex um is there and thereabouts in 12th uh so that is the roundup of aussie car very good. I haven't missed anything. So we're going to move on to the absolutely massive weekend of V8 scoops, which almost didn't happen because of an iRacing outage that only got fixed about 10 minutes before Super Split 2 started. So now, did you say scoops again? <laughs> Scops. <laughs> oh, I'm going to murder us. Sorry. I had to bring Scops. it up. I had to bring it up. V8 Scops. Yeah. V8 Scops. So... Uh, it was at Oran Park this week. So I look, I... Friday night was the support series. Um, it happened. I tried to watch some of it today. I didn't get to, to follow up much of it. The trucks and the old school V8s were racing around. It was really good racing. There was a little bit more scrappiness about it. 
Um, but definitely go check out the results of that if you can. But we'll cover basically uh, Super Split 2 and, and Top Split tonight. Yeah, so... Uh, and we'll try and catch up next time. So Super Split 2 um, hit a bit close to home for us this week, which was really nice to see. So Super Split 2 uh, had a 32-lap race, obviously with first place um, having a, um, up for grabs in the main split um, so that they can get up into the action there. Um, our very own James Chastanoff, uh missed out um, on top split from pre-qualifying. Was it by eight thousandth of a second? I think. Yeah, eight thousandth of a second, sitting in forty second, so fortieth, forty, no, forty third. So it was third. Put him third on the grid anyway. But yeah, eight one thousandths per second. Now that pre-qualifying, if you're not familiar with it, is basically three days of of qualifying, and they take the top forty through to top split. It doesn't matter who you are if you're not in that top 40 fastest times for for the three days practice then you don't get into top split um and the rest go to super split too and it's the qualifying is your times for super uh, for the practice session uh for super split too so yeah he end up got himself third on the grid but yeah barely and i know how much his effort he's been putting in yeah um to to get into top split uh it's obviously a goal of his for a long time and yeah, so to, to be that close, I, I know how devastated he was, but how excited he was to have that chance to be that so far up the field. So, yeah, but yeah I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, so the race got underway um, and Chasty actually had a mega start. Uh, the top two didn't get a great scar, uh, especially I believe it was the pole, pole sitter. Um, yes. And yeah, by the time they got to that first turn sort of kink um, going down towards turn two, uh, he'd already picked up first spot um by the time he got down the end there so it was actually really really pretty impressive and it was basically a clinical drive from then on in um short with ma- ma- major pressure obviously yeah so sean mcnamara the, was the, in the close winner... pursuit yeah so it was never more than 0.6 of a second behind them yep. and chastity sort of had the middle the first sector in the middle sector he was maybe a couple tenths quicker than him but mcnamara definitely had him in the final sector yep. Uh, which meant that coming onto that final corner, onto the all-important straight, he was definitely catching him yep. each and every time. But it never really got out to more than 0.6. So for 32 laps, Chastity was was basically had a spot in the, the top split, which is his dream, but had someone on his tail ready to, to pounce, pounce yeah. to take it on. And flawless. Didn't didn't make a mistake that we, we really noticed anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was really really good watching that. Yeah, all the way through. It was so. it was a seriously good drive. Um, so yeah, as as we said, he actually managed to hold on to that, and that got him his first um top split sort of passport into uh, into V eight Scops. So that was a pretty impressive drive. Can I um quickly make an apology live on air? Um, Andrew Ritchie, uh, <laughs> he was that <laughs> we were in the, the the chat private chat we've got, and uh, he was all over the coverage in the in the practice session and doing laps with it and and getting heaps of coverage which he doesn't normally get. And I actually said in the thing, oh, and he's not making any mistakes. And as I press send, he spun out and crashed the car. And then in the race, I made the comment on the YouTube channel, great broadcast, chassis doing amazing, needs more Richie. To which then, within the next five minutes, he got punted <laughs> off uh, the second, the third last corner, the little, the the back, the flip flop S's, and absolutely rode off his car. To his credit, though, limped that thing back into the pits and didn't have a safety car from it. 
but the speed at which he had was reminiscent of Justin Howe <laughs> and Sean Doyle uh, from Bathurst yeah. two, uh, the odd week ago. So cool. uh, there was nothing holding him back. Yeah, but yeah, that's that. That was my highlight anyway. But it was really good racing. There was a couple incidences, um, nothing major like we saw in in the in the top split uh, later on. But yeah, definitely yeah. a good good racing. Yeah. So McNamara was sort of always in contention, but just couldn't force that mistake um, from Chasty, who yeah put together a really impressive drive and got himself up to into the top split. Um, so yeah, he had to then back up for another qualifying uh, session in the top split. Like, winning your way through, that's a big effort in itself then you have to go and do two more yeah. qualifyings and two more races like <laughs> that's hard work yeah definitely and the fact that he put however many laps in in the in the lead up to it uh to then do 38 32 laps and then have to do another 32 laps plus another 42 i think it was after that so he was doing 104 laps on the night in the end yeah. um uh, not counting practice or qualifying so Full yeah, on. Nuts. Uh, and we've talked enough about Chassis, but we will talk about him more in a sec, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, qualifying race one, uh, Jordan Caruso took pole from Madison Down and James Scott. Uh, and then current championship leader, Richard Hampstead, was um, unusually down in ninth position, so he definitely had some work to do. And I think it was something like eight of the top nine drivers um, were either Trans-Tasman Racing or Logitech Altus Esports <laughs> drivers. So it clearly shows what kind of stranglehold those two teams have on the series at the moment. Yes, definitely. Um, um, where you go? Yeah, go. No, no, you go. <laughs> you, you, I, I, look, behind the scenes, I was watching this while watching Mighty Ducks and <laughs> spending time with my wife with no no audio on, um, doing the best I can to, to support Chastity by having the live timing up as well to find out exactly where he was. So, yeah, Braden, you go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, race one saw a 32-lap sprint race, so same format as the Super Split 2 race. Um Madison Down managed to find his way past Jordan Caruso on the first lap, um, and he actually put on a really clinical performance to take that first race. Um, the front rows, sorry, the front row cars from qualifying swapped positions um, actually, so Caruso ended up coming home second after taking pole, and Madison Down um, getting the win. James Scott, Brady Myers, and Ethan Warren rounded out the top five, um, but there were some pretty big movers throughout the field actually. So Brian Borg, um, he did really well. He was up. 10 spots from 33rd up to 23rd. Uh, Damon Mulqueen was up 14 spots to uh, to finish 29th. And Chastanoff um, was up 13 spots to move his way through the field as well um, to get to 26th, which was a pretty impressive drive down from 39th. And then Troy Cox and Tyler Blackburn both uh, moved up double-digit positions as well. So there was a bit of movement in the field. It was a pretty clean race, race one. There wasn't too many major incidents. Yeah, the only sort of ones were locking up at the end of turn one, two, and going off, yeah. um, and and not damaging the car coming back on. There was very very little reason for anyone to to be upset with with the things. It would definitely then was race two where where that changed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, race two or qualifying two rather for race two. Jordan Crusoe managed to complete a clean sweep of the poles, um, starting from that number one spot again. Um, Brady Myers got himself onto the front row with uh, Madison down and then Scott and Warren rounding out the top five for race two. So familiar names up the front once again. Uh, race two was a 46 lap race and it had a 65% fuel restriction. So giving a little bit of strategy to it and a little bit longer. Um, and the race start was pretty chaotic. <laughs> so basically it was... Um, Someone had a shocker off the line um, and sort of bogged down as you can do very easily in those V8s. 
um, and it sort of caused a bit of chaos with some four wide and then a little bit of movement on the straight, um, which ended up with contact that basically sent multiple cars either spinning off the track or unfortunately into pit wall um, in some people's cases. And I think it was Kyle George who was probably the one who got the most involved in that. And it, it was literally, I think the commentary team said it was literally like watching a pinball in between all the cars. He was just yeah. bouncing off car, wall, and then uh, right towards the end of his, when he finally looked like he was coming to a stop, got completely cleaned up once again. Um, so that sort of yeah. ended his race after starting 12th. He would have been really disappointed um, finishing right at the back of the back of the grid. I was actually really surprised that no safety car was called. Yeah, so obviously no cars got, got stuck out there, but it definitely felt like it was going to be that big an incident where where it was going to have to come out. But to everyone's credit, as, as we said, got it back on the track and got going and, and got back to the pits. Yep. Uh, and, and it was very interesting, obviously, with pits in this one, with Oran Park pits in particular, I, I'm, look, I know these are the best drivers in Australia, but still, I'm shocked that no one actually cleaned up that wall coming in. Yeah. Um. So well done, well done to you all. But yeah, there was a the, turn one, turn two was sort of where all the the action seemed to be having. Um, there was a few little punts, a few few nose down the inside that probably shouldn't have been, and and there was a few black flags that came from it. But the the most interesting crash was going up over over the bridge. Uh, where the two guys sort of got side by side and, and one of them just <laughs> didn't leave room for the other one yeah. and, and not just hit the wall, but hit the wall hard and, and bounced all around on the bridge and came off very much worse for wear. So, yep. um, yeah, absolutely. So Jordan Cruz actually went um, yeah pole, pole position and managed to get the win in that one. Um, from Richard Hampstead, who was up five spots, so started seventh and managed to get up to second, which is a bit more of a usual position for him. Uh, Madison down um, third. Jake Maloney also up seven spots in fourth, and James Scott uh, coming in in fifth. Uh, so there was some some interesting interesting finishes. Ethan Warren obviously started fifth and ended up down in twentieth, um, which is a big big yeah, drop. Yeah, so he had a, he was one of the ones who got a penalty as well or a redress anyway that he had to serve. Yep. Plus he actually had um, he got punted I think himself at one stage. Yeah, so. absolutely. So. That was quite um yeah quite unfortunate. Chastanov had another pretty decent race, up eleven spots from thirty sixth uh, up to twenty fifth. Um, so that was pretty an impressive drive. And then we had, you know, sort of what do we got? Ten, thirteen ish cars that didn't finish on the lead lap um, in this one. So yeah, um, it was a little bit more hectic. Um, but again, you know, the cream sort of rising to the top with those same names that we're seeing up the front week after week yeah. at the moment in V eight scops. Um, championship. Uh, well, I was going to say championship-wise, yeah. so Richard Hampstead oh, yeah, right. uh, keeps his spot at the top just from Madison down, uh, so 40 points in between those two at the moment. Uh, from Brady Myers, who moves himself up a spot, and Jake Maloney, who also misses, um, sorry, makes up a spot. Um, and then you've got Joshua Anderson, Job Stewart, Andrew Dyson, Adam Briggs, and Jordan Caruso, um, who's actually only completed five of the seven races, so to be up in ninth spot um, is pretty impressive as well. Um, and then you've got James Definitely. Scott rounding out the top 10. Okay, and looking forward to what is to come on the Scots calendar. Uh, the next race, I'm trying to find it quickly now, is, yeah, there it is, it Road Atlanta on the 13th to the 16th of May. So not a long time to wait. So 
Uh, I'll be watching that from my little hotel room up in Ely Beach, which would be good fun. And I think from yeah, uh, memory, we have Thomas Hins on that week, so we should be able to get a full breakdown of the do. races, which will be really good to see. Well, definitely, which is what we're trying to do from going forward is we're trying to have someone related to the actual Scops event um, on, on the show so we can have a full proper rundown of it going forward. But yeah, look out for Thomas Hins that week. That'll be really good. Doubles 100k sprints, uh, 40 car field, so... Good luck to everyone involved. And just out of interest, um, I saw some artwork designs from Chastity trying to change his number to 427 because he was the actual 427th starter in Scop's uh, history as well, getting that, that golden ticket through. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's good. Look, hopefully he can find those, those last couple thousands and, and start getting up there as a permanent fixture as well, which would be good for him and Emu Racing as well. Uh, let's move on to ODSE. Now, quick shout out to ODSE for their Stampede Monday Night Series. Unfortunately, it has finished after two weeks because of driving standards. Uh, Matthew Joy was racing for Locked On Racing in that, and he said, yeah, it was a fair bit of biff and barge, and, and he got taken out a few times, and it just wasn't enjoyable, I guess, is the best way to describe it for the mid-pack and anyone back. Um, so, uh, yeah, Brady has decided he made the call early that it's just not not worth going on. Just too much time and effort for him to put in. To, It'd be interesting to, to have, have a chat to him about yeah. it when he comes on the podcast, actually, and find out sort of what ha, yeah. how, how oh. he could make something in that sort of um, dirt sort of region work for those midget cars. Yeah, definitely. And there is obviously a demand for it with that thing, you know, booking out in, in under 24 hours like, yep. like it did. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he's got, hopefully... He gets planned in the future, and I'd like to sort of, yeah, see, like I, Matthew Joy is is keen to do something in the background with Locked On Racing, so hopefully we can, he might if he can help get some help from us, we we're happy to help out. So anyway, let's get on to ODSE Super Sprint Cars three sixty Power Series, and this week I found out late, late in it that Tim Ryan actually has hurt himself. So shout out to Tim, and speedy recovery to. To himself, he actually uh, got a fairly major injury, dislocated things, and and, and it doesn't look good. Uh, as far as the X-ray doesn't look good, not he, he'll be fine. Uh, he will recover. <laughs> so, shout out to Tim Ryan, who's won basically everything bar one uh, going coming up to this point, and was the absolute favourite for the championship. All of a sudden, now you do get drop round in the series. I think it's one or two, but this is basically it for him because he's got to come back next next race basically to keep the points up otherwise and and he can't make any more mistakes going forward so if he has a bad round it's going to count so this threw the whole series wide open which is really we're talking about before very interesting to see you don't want to see the same person winning over over again even though you love seeing that skill you want to see some close racing and this without having him in this in the race cracked it right open and you saw some familiar names and some new names floating around up there as well so it was really good to watch Definitely go watch any of the heats. Any of the heats are, were really good to watch. Um, some some great results, some great driving. Generally, the person at the front who qualified top got through and won. But the back battles for the, the, the minor places was brilliant. Coming to the C main, though, I want to shout out, almost identical to last week, Brady Sh- Braden Shoot found himself in the C main yet again. He then, absolute brilliant race to win the C main to then qualify for the B main, but that puts you at the back of the B main. Now, obviously there's some things that happened in the B main, but 
including a yellow flag, which has never happened in B-Mains in ODSC history before. So someone pressed the wrong button two laps <laughs> in and there was a yellow flag happened because it's not supposed to. But there was a whole heap of chaos happening. Look, it was such a brutal race and so many people get knocked out and then coming back and people had no had damaged the cars and were still holding on to top positions because it kept on changing so much. But to his credit, he came through and stole that last transfer spot to the A-Main which is almost identical to last week. So Braden, uh, Braden Shute, the comeback king of ODSE sprint cars, apparently. But yeah, well well done to yourself. Um, but then we get to the A-Main. Uh, so Greg Chandler was another person um, and Jacob Dixon getting through as well. Uh, so shout out to to everyone who, who got through. Daniel Evans uh, held, uh, came through from the C-Main to the B-Main as well. But the A-Main, it happened. Um it's one of the best. This is the write-up from the ODSE website. One of the best ODSE in history. Uh, the race going green to checker, which was really good to see. Like I said, it happened the other week as well. Uh, it's really good to see these guys are doing really good racing and clean racing uh, and giving themselves room. Now, the common thing for the whole night up to the A-Main was the fact that the track itself was the the thing that was causing most of the problems. There was a bit of a a line peering but it was very slippery in parts of that line so people were going in hard and then sliding a little bit further than they thought or losing momentum and then there was this issue where the track seemed to be taking more people out than than, than bad drivers but then in the a main the track came really good um and big slide jobs were happening um the, it was back and forth it was really really good racing in the end joel berkeley got the win so congratulations to Joel. I know he's been up there most weeks anyway, but definitely congratulations on getting the win. Daniel Gow got second. Uh, Braden O'Brien third. Clayton Davies, who's the only other person to win a race besides um, Tim Ryan, got him fourth, so it helps him out a lot. Clayton Tilly, always there and thereabouts, got fifth. Uh, Jaden Russell in sixth. Brady Baldwin in seventh. Uh, Harry Stewart in 8th, Thomas Mitchell ninth, and uh, Daniel Boyd in 10th. So congratulations to that top 10 there. Uh, Greg Chandler got the hard charge reward coming from 22nd up to 13th. Uh, but if you if you like your speedway racing, go check that out. Uh, it's a really, really good series and really clean racing, especially once you get to the A-Main. Next week, they head to Lania, Lane, <laughs> Lania Speedway uh, for, for the round five of the series. So... Uh, Clayton Tilly now leads the championship. So, like I said, ever consistent, always there and thereabouts, uh, 865 points. Harry Stewart on 847. Tim Ryan in 844. Considering he didn't even get any points in this round, that is amazing. Um, Aiden uh, Beerline is in fourth. And Braden Shute, as I said, keeps on coming from the C main to consistently make the A main, uh, is in fifth. And Clayton Davies in six. Now Clayton Davies also hasn't uh, raced one of the rounds as well. So when the drop rounds come into effect, that'll change that up a fairly heavily as well. We'll move into Anscar Cup, the only Anscar racing this week since trucks are out um, and Thunder hasn't started. So if you are interested, they're driving the Xfinity cars in a Thunder series. You'll hear more about that in next week's episode when we interview Edward Foster. Uh, but that's racing on a Wednesday night. Uh, it's going to be sort of a feeder series to the Anscar Cup they want to check, uh, want to do. So if you are interested in driving left a lot, uh, go check out the Anscar's website and sign up for the Thunder Series. But this time it's the Cup, and Barry Neal 
got through for a well-deserved win. So definitely had the pace from what I watched. I only got to watch for half of this race and had had the pace from the start, which was really good to see. Um, and then he beat a young person called Michael Skurlock. <laughs> Never heard of him before, so well done to him. Uh, also then uh, Jason Martin in third. Josh Micklemore, who's having an absolutely phenomenal season, uh, leading the championship by 42 points now with that um, fourth place as well. Fifth place, sorry. Hamish Gallagher in sixth, always there and thereabouts as well. Um, so the big movers of the field is definitely Phil Otto, uh, starting in 29th and finishing 9th. Uh, Matthew Raymond, once again, getting a mention for, for big big jumps, 19th up to 7th. Uh, Michael Scurlock, 10th to 2nd, is actually fairly impressive as well. Um, but, yeah, well done to everyone involved. A smaller field this week in a 30-car field to try and limit those um, safety cars, and it did. It worked really well. The, the, the whole section I watched had no safety cars, which then brought a lot of uh, strategy into it, which was really good. But well done to Baroneer, winning by a bit over four seconds to Michael Scurlock. Uh and Michael Skrillock now is still sitting in second behind Josh Micklemore, like I said, by 42 points. Uh, Jason Martin is up three places in the third. Neil Pearson drops down to fourth. Danny G drops down two places to fifth. Matthew Raymond, once again, like I said, coming through the field, getting up to sixth uh, from seventh. Edward Foster dropped two spots to seventh. Hamish Gallagher stays in eighth. Joshua Carroll Walden is up one spot to ninth, and Luke Traher, the ever consistent Luke Traher, is up one spot to tenth. Uh, so that really wraps up Anne's car. I would love to have had a bit more in depth chat about it, but like I said, I only got to watch half the race, so I don't want to go into too much. Uh, the final one we'll talk about tonight is Into Sim Esports Network's Switch Up series, which we do have a bit of a mention about next week as well, because uh, Edward Foster's racing in that. Um, but this week, they saw 28 IndyCars line up at Watkins Glen International for 40 laps and no incidents the whole race. So if you get a chance, go to the Facebook page Into Sim Esports Network and catch up on uh, the the race uh, because absolutely amazing race. Talking to Edward uh, during the week for a pre-record a bit for next week and yeah, he's the, it was really good. The back and forth that they had in that race was really good. But uh, Sam, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. Uh, <laughs> Katakuzinos? No. Uh, team. That's probably <laughs> it. Nailed it. Um, team Bucksfish Racing uh, got first. Dave Douglas in second for Mac One Esports and Edward Foster in third for Natari Autosports. So congratulations to all those involved. And that's me talking long enough <laughs> in one bit while Braden has a sleep. So now... Look, like I said, if you want us to cover your series, uh, there's a few. I'll shout out OSR, I'll shout out V8 Veterans, and I'll shout out... Uh, what was the other one I was trying to look up just before? But look, there's, there's a few series out there that we definitely do want to cover. There's some great series out there in Australia that we're probably not even seeing. Hit us up. Like I said, email, contact us at LockedOnLads.com. Hit us up on the, uh, the Facebook page, LockedOnLads. Or hit us up in our Discord, lockedonlads.com slash Discord, and we're happy to cover it in a bit more detail uh, if you let us know about it. As for the updates to iRacing, there has been an update today. I downloaded it before. 
There's things like uh, the dirt midgets have got tire parameters have been updated. Um, the opponent car wheel spring rates and ride heights uh, have a better correlation. iRacing setups have been updated. NASCAR has a few uh, damage models going on the Chevrolet Monte Carlo, uh, the, the 87 and the Ford Thunderbird 87. Um, they've been, so the damage model has been re-enabled for that. Um, there's a few additions to Darlington and Texas Motorsport, um, the actual tracks itself. The pace speed has been reduced on, on the Legends Oval of Texas, which is interesting. Um, some additional safer foam has been added <laughs> to Darlington Raceway, and it's safer in capitals. <laughs> so something's gone on there. Um, and look, so the, the, the Dirt Lake model um has had the the parameters um more stable and correlation as well so sporting code the sporting code has be, has received some updates for clarity yeah. and consistency also a new glossary has been added yeah i saw that one and i thought it would have been nice for them to write in there what were the things that were changed it would have made it easier yeah. than people having to try and look through the sporting code to figure it out but one thing i thought was really interesting that you hadn't touched on is they seem to have fixed that issue where a missed start delay can actually um, give you an advantage um, from the pit lane's exit because that didn't used to take into account where the pit lane ended and where the merge, merge point yep. would potentially be. Um, so th- they said typically this is not an issue. If you start from the pits, um, you normally don't get let out in an, an advantageous position. But at tracks like um, Spa, for instance, uh, where the pit exit cuts inside of the hairpin and it's actually like a 90-meter shorter path, um, sometimes a missed start could actually give yeah. you like a four- to six-second advantage. So I'm glad that that's finally fixed. I know they were banning people yep. who were caught doing it, um, I, I believe, um, but yeah, um, it's good that hopefully that's fixed now. Yeah, so look, I was, uh, there's other things like connectivity. Um, there's been a few things in that. There's some host hosted races for the member site. Uh, paint shop has, has had some improving. League racing's had some improvements. So, if you are wanting to know more, there is a whole heap of patch notes you can download. <laughs> um, the AI drivers uh, in opponent rosters have now editable using the upgraded paint shop with a 3D model viewer. So that's pretty cool. Um, Fix an issue about putting AI results. Okay, all, all that kind of stuff happened. Um, look, the one thing I want to talk about quickly before we move on to the last thing is something we've noticed tonight and last couple of weeks is there's a weirdness going on with frame rates. Um, and I don't know, definitely all of us is skippies are, are seeing it in when there's larger fields and sort of like five or six, but definitely when we're seeing 30 in the yeah. field, dro- frame rates aren't dropping as such. Like that. There's definitely a, a look. We're getting down to thirty, uh, forty. Uh, sorry, forty, sixty, and seventy frames a second. But there seems to be a stutter, yeah. And I don't know where it's coming from. So if you've got any feedback out there, let us know. Uh, if you are seeing it as well, so we we assume it's definitely not server side because it's we're seeing it, not the person on the other end seeing it. The other person on the other end seeing us is racing smooth. We got the frame rate counter, and there's no dip there. And you watch. I'm watching the task manager as well, and and it's sitting about what well, even at eighty percent today for my GPU, eighty percent for my memory, and about fifty odd percent for my CPU. Nothing was maxing out, but there was still every now and then you would come to a point, and then you were all of a sudden, I guess half a meter down the road, 
and it, there was it, it felt like it froze but as far as the frame counts it didn't yeah. dip for so. me i seem to get like it's it it's almost like the screen's vibrating for just a couple of seconds and it vibrates again for a yeah. couple of seconds um and it gives me that sort of feeling as if i'm, I'm skipping or lagging but like i said like i'm getting 200 frames per second like my when i checked my task manager stuff i was you know less than 50 percent um on 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 yeah. my gpu and cpu and um memory and stuff like that so yeah if, you, if you're having similar seems... things definitely reach out and let us know what your experiences have been and, and and if you've found any fixes um definitely shout those out too yeah definitely because it definitely affected my race in indianapolis there was multiple times when i was at the edge of the track sideways and not confident to put the foot down because i didn't know when there was a stutter if i was actually going to be off the track or on the mm. track when i put my foot down and there was definitely multiple times i couldn't yeah yeah you know put that foot down you know what yeah that definitely affected my race as well peter that's uh 100 percent. yeah the definitely <laughs> <laughs> yep um but yeah look it, it's a, it's a weird one most of us that i've been talking to in skippy in the aussie skip barber series have noticed it as well in the last couple of weeks so I would love to get to the bottom of it and I'll probably spend some time tomorrow tuning tuning stuff to, to see if I can find out what it is because it is quite rather annoying. But like I said, if you let, if you know, let us know. I've just realised we're over two hours for the podcast. How good is this? Some people are going to be happy. <laughs> some people oh, might not be. Oh my God, sorry everyone. <laughs> uh, let's, let's wrap it up, mate. What can people... Where can we find you and what are your plan for the next week? Yeah, so we'll have... Um, or hopefully, I said this last week, I was planning on streaming... Uh, the Thursday night race, but I, I didn't. <laughs> but all things going well, I'll stream the Thursday night race um, on twitch.tv slash the one D Wade. So we're heading to Brands Hatch, the GP layer and the indie layer, which is going to be interesting. And then if you just want to have a chat or listen to me ramble about um, my football team's non successes, uh, you can always uh, chuck me a follow up at Braden Talks on Twitter. Now, I was going to put you in a black and white livery, but I got told we'd lose all your points if I did that. Is that still a problem? Yeah, well, you've obviously been talking to uh, people with uh, much bigger bankrolls than I do, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, so you can find myself at Wilco's Chill Zone on Twitter. I'm not tweeting at the moment, but uh, I, I will be back this eventually. It's just when I can. Uh, you can find all our content, though, at Locked On Lads on most places. So Locked On Lads YT on YouTube, which there isn't much going at the moment. Uh, Locked On Lads on Twitch, where I am streaming once a week at this stage, hopefully trying to get some more. Uh, maybe even Philip Island's Enduro this Saturday. We'll see how that goes. Um, and LockedOnLads.com, uh, Locked On Lads on Twitter itself, Locked On Lads on Facebook, all those kind of places you can find us. Uh, but like I said, lockdownlays.com slash Discord. Get in the Discord right now. Have a chat to us. There's some really cool, fun people in there at the moment chatting away. Uh, definitely go check out tracks.trx.racing if you're interested in that C series. And check out the, the YouTube channel for the and the website for the highlights and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Just for watching good racing, check out that Invitational series. Uh, go check out Jamie Skeller on Twitter as well. So thank you, uh, Jamie, again for your time. Thank you, Braden, for your time. And we'll catch you all next week. Till then, keep racing. Drive safe, drive fast. Rest up, Nathan. Yeah, good luck, Nathan. <laughs>